0: I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake.
1: Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And I'm Tom Bionic. You're trying to be deeper than me this week, is yeah. that what it was? Well, I
0: can't be smarter, so I'm just going
1: to no, be No, that's not true. I'm going to be deeper. Ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be back with you for another week on the Future Quake Show. Uh, we have one of those uh, shows on a topic that um, will be very controversial to at least part of our audience. I think a lot of our Internet audience probably are going to uh, be in agreement with our guests this time. Some of them not, particularly those that have a more traditional uh conservative christian view may some of those may not mm-hmm. uh, as well as some of our local audience in the nashville area uh we have with us uh mr richard gage AIA the founder of architects and engineers for 911 truth and we're going to be talking about the technical realities of the world trade center attack and ramifications and update mm-hmm. i think this is long overdue we um confronted this elephant in the room of our american society
2: yes this is a very i, I found this show uh, in a weird way, uh, very confirming of, of the work that both you and I do, both here and even behind mm-hmm. the scenes, that um, uh, I hate to toot on horn, but it's important.
1: Well, this show came along at a very busy time for you and I both. We've been uh-huh. preparing for the last day's conference. Mm-hmm. A lot of other kind of things going on in the middle mm-hmm. of it. Uh, the way schedule worked out, uh, Mr. Gage was available right at this time. We started mm-hmm. just jumping right on both feet. We really hadn't been doing anything pertaining to this topic. But it is something that is a classic issue that deserves future quick attention. Yes. Uh, we talk about how our government, we document week after week how they have faked the real cause of wars mm-hmm. uh, from Gulf of Tonkin. Seems like they're to, faking nearly everything. Uh, they have yeah. caused uh, overthrows. They've done terrorism in places like Iran back in the 50s mm-hmm. to overthrow democratic governments. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've had the Gulf of Tonkin faked. You have uh, Pearl Harbor now. So mm-hmm. It's been well, Our guests will hear more about that yeah. next week. Uh, uh, about that. Mm-hmm. But the one that really affects our generation is 911. Mm-hmm. And
2: more than, more than maybe any other event of the last
1: 20 years. And this is very very hard for Christians because in America they've been raised with a certain patriotic view of what America stands for in our goodness mm-hmm. and where the good guys with the white hats and how could it ever be that our country could even possibly consider being involved in anything this heinous uh, it's something that's unthinkable for the average american christian but we need to start coming back to the bible and what the bible says about the kings of the earth mm-hmm. don't we well there's a lot of there
2: oh gosh there's so much I, I almost feel like we could teach a companion bible study on on all of this stuff
1: and maybe mm-hmm. perhaps sometime in the future we will but i think this topic is like a big bucket of cold water for Christians to say, get out of your Disney dream of, mm-hmm. of Americana. Go back to the Bible and what the Bible says about the mm-hmm. kings of the earth, the leaders, mm-hmm. how things really run, who's in charge, well, and how you really realistically expect I, things to run. I,
2: I, you know, that, interesting. You mentioned that I would I would counsel every single person who hears this next show to really take time to pray beforehand and say lord open my ears if there's one thing you do mm-hmm. today open my ears to the truth lord real truth whatever it is yeah heavenly Whether father agree please with quake, please in the name of jesus not. open my ears to the truth mm-hmm. and then listen to the show
1: and then bravely take whatever position yeah. and the lord then, leads yeah
2: in. if you have a position against us that you feel is divinely given from the lord or the then guest I, right yeah
1: Then you take it. Yeah, well, the guest, we don't take any position. But ask that it be his wisdom Mm -hmm. and just not what we hear around us. Yeah. Having said all that preamble, we need to bring in our special guest, a very distinguished gentleman in high demand around the country who was more than willing to uh, come spend some time with us. not enough, but uh, some very precious time uh, as an expert in the field. Uh, Here's our interview, our first segment, with Richard Gage, AIA, who is the founder of Architects and Engineers for 911 Truth talking about the technical realities of the World Trade Center attack and ramifications and update. And then we'll be back to wrap it up here at Quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And I'm Tom,
2: uh, interested in some technical realities, Bionic.
1: Well, it'll be much more than that today. Mm-hmm. We have a very, very special guest that we uh, have sought to have for quite an extended period of time. Today we have Mr. Richard Gage, AIA who is the founder of Architects and Engineers for 911 Truth. And we're going to talk today about the technical realities of the World Trade Center attack and the ramifications and an update uh, on this topic. And uh, Mr. Gage, I recognize your time is very short with us. You're a man in, in high demand. And I just want to tell you it's an honor to have you on our show for a long overdue and critical topic suitable for our future quick radio show.
3: Thank you, Michael. It's just great to be here with you today. And also, oh dear, I forgot your name, I'm sorry.
0: Tom, Tom
2: Bionic, it's okay. <laughs> Sometimes Tom, I forget it too. Yeah,
1: it's, it's very easy, easy and natural to remember, Dr. Future and Tom Bionic. It rolls off the lips.
2: Like a, like a I don't know, something that's square.
1: Well, let, <laughs> let, let, let me briefly introduce you since our time is short by saying, and you correct me if I'm wrong on any of these factoids here, that Richard Gage AIA is a San Francisco Bay Area architect, and member of the American Institute of Architects, he is the founding member of AE911 Truth. Uh, he has been a practicing architect for over 20 years and has worked on most types of building construction, including numerous fireproof steel frame buildings. Most recently, he worked on the construction documents for a uh, fireproofed, uh, excuse me, for a $400 million mixed-use urban project with 1.2 million square feet of retail parking structure and 320,000 square feet of mid-rise office space, altogether about with uh, 1,200 tons of steel framing. Uh, so that goes to show you know a little bit about uh, this topic today. Uh, t- to begin our discussion today, can you tell us why, since our time is short here, why the 911 Twin Towers attack, which we all know, any of us of our generation, why they became a subject of sufficient interest for you to get involved at the level that you now have.
3: Well, four years ago, I was on my way to a construction uh, uh, site observation meeting, construction observation meeting, and uh, I heard on the radio uh, Dr. David Ray Griffin, who's written four now nine books on this subject.
1: Now, he's a theologian as well, correct?
3: Yes, he is a theologian. Right. Uh, and he's written some excellent books. One called um, uh, "Christian Values in 9/11," something like that. It's an extraordinary hmm. book. Um, he he was talking about uh, the the evidence for the explosive demolition of these buildings, uh, as heard by the first responders, uh, who were were uh, 100 of which were on record of as, as hearing sounds of explosions and seeing flashes of light at the onset of the destruction of the Twin Towers. And it went on and on and on, and I was just flabbergasted. I had never heard anything like this. And I'm going, my God, this is a whole alternate reality. I've either entered the twilight zone or or what. Uh, So I went to hear him, I think it was the next night, and uh, all of this evidence... It just made sense, uh, because it explained the way these buildings came down. The evidence was internally consistent. And, uh, I began to see how the official story about the collapse of these buildings made no sense whatsoever when you start to really think about it critically, uh, you know, with, 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 with our rational minds looking at the missing evidence that the official story, uh, the, the FEMA report, the NIST report, NIST is the National Institute for Standards and Technology, they did not uh, cover this evidence. In fact, it was actively uh, covered up. Um, so uh, I put together a slide presentation after a few weeks, a few months, I guess it was, and took it to my, the firm that I worked for at the time and presented it to all 15 architects in the firm. Uh, I had to buy them pizza to get them to come. Well, uh, be, I mean, they really thought I was nuts beforehand, and all of them agreed with me afterward. It was
4: absolutely wow. nuts.
3: Hmm. It was a vindication of my sanity, and uh, they all <laughs> signed the petition except for one, who was a principal, who was a Middle Eastern uh, gentleman. Didn't want to stick his neck out, sure. and many don't. Uh, today we have 1,000 architects and engineers. From that first 14 to, to 1,000, and uh, we are still skyrocketing. In fact, it's it's about uh, uh, almost 1,200 now, actually, because when we when we hit 1,000, we had a press conference in San Francisco, and we presented uh, to a packed audience uh, all of this evidence in rapid-fire form. Uh, which was characteristic of our DVD on the subject, 9-11, Blueprint for Truth, uh, in which we highlight uh, uh, all all of this evidence. I've now been traveling around the country. Um, uh, We've given over 150 uh, presentations uh, showing the DVDs, I mean the videos, and the, 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 uh, the, the evidence. Uh, and, 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 in fact, 16 foreign countries as well. And everywhere I go, uh, of those who come to the presentation uh, believing uh, the official story or uh, or who are unsure, uh, almost all of them end up agreeing with the uh, evidence for the explosive-controlled demolition, and many of them uh, sign our petition and support us. Mm. Uh, that's why this movement is growing by millions every year, the 9-11 Truth Movement.
1: Now, when did you start your organization? What year?
3: Uh, 2006.
1: So since this time, you've had over 1,200 professionals that have been willing to risk their careers to sign on. Can you give us an example of how prestigious some of these people are who are part of this movement?
3: Well, we have six or seven members uh, of the American Institute of Architects who are fellows, uh, FAIAs. Uh, these these uh, have lifetime achievements, uh, highly recognized individuals who have signed uh, the petition. We have about six or seven high-rise architects. We have about 40 structural engineers, people who are paid to design these buildings so that they don't come down. They understand the foundation, the bones of these buildings. Um, we have, uh, in addition to uh, architects and engineers, we have physicists. Uh, well, we have about 40 members of the American Institute of Architects themselves. Um, uh, and we have uh, physicists, uh, or chemists, uh, demolition Contractors, explosive demolition contractors. We, we just signed up uh, uh, a gentleman who has had previous experience, three years working for an expl- explosive demolition company, one of the key ones in the country. Uh, who, who says, yeah, of course, Building 7 is a classic example of a very good job, mm-hmm. uh, at explosive demolition. So uh, we're going to be putting him on the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, next week, uh, so that we can um, uh, get his story out there. He talks about how hard it is to break a building down. You know, fire cannot do this to buildings.
1: Right. Well, <clears throat> you, you, I know there are similar groups that have other premier scientists and others who have all as well risked their careers. There have been premier people of certifying organizations that uh, have signed up to this, like Underwriters Labs, other kind of people who... uh have risked their careers to to make a statement like this. It certainly doesn't fit the demographic I hear on mainstream media of the crazy kook nut jobs who would actually believe that 911 uh, could have had uh, ulterior motives or had something happen other than the official government story. It seems like just your your cast of characters debunks that.
3: Well, yes, these are credible technical um, and building professionals. Uh, architects and engineers with over 25,000 years of collective professional technical experience. Um, they're pretty, it's pretty difficult to, to, as you say, just call them, uh, kooks. Uh, and we're going to create another DVD putting them, uh, uh, face to face with, with the listener, the, the, the viewer, uh, and we'll be interviewing, uh, uh 50 of them telling their, uh, technical uh, story, their technical background, why they think the the buildings came down, the the area of particular interest to them and of of credibility to them, whether they're a structural engineer or metallurgist or a demolition expert or chemist, chemical engineer, uh, whatever it is, uh, they're going to be covering the details. So we're very excited about this project, and it'll be out before September 11th.
1: Well, let me ask you something for just some broad general comments before we get into the details. The public has been told that the 911 Commission addressed any issues concerning the official government story of what occurred on that day in 2001 and that they completely resolved any issue sufficiently that it's a closed case. Uh, without getting into the technical details yet, why in general do you and your colleagues as well as others do not feel that that is so?
3: Well, the 9-11 Commission didn't even mention the destruction uh, of the third skyscraper on 9-11. A 47-story skyscraper not hit by an airplane, just a football field a length away from the North Tower, didn't even mention it. Now, if that kind of information was uh, left out, uh, the third worst structural failure in modern history, and as a result... Most architects and engineers know nothing about it, and yet this is huge news, and they're just shocked. And when they see it, of course, they recognize that it's a controlled demolition. So the 9/11 Commission has serious uh, problems right from the get-go. And uh, when you look at how it was formed and how long it took to form—a uh, year—compare uh, um, that to the space shuttle, uh, which uh, disaster, Columbia disaster, took took like days. Um, uh, there, it was, it, they, they met resistance at every level, uh, CIA, FBI, the Bush administration. So, there were, in, in fact, uh, Max Cleland quit the commission, citing it. it's a national scandal that the investigation was compromised. Since then, six of the commissioners say they were set up to fail and lied to by the Bush administration and the, and the, uh, NORAD. So, we have serious problems with the 9-11 commission.
1: You know, this sort of smacks of the Warren Commission. I, it almost seems like a shadow of that, except the stakes are much higher You have instead of one dead, it's 3, thousands, right, like that. Uh, uh, and, and involving many, many more people. It just seems like it's the same things played over again here. Now, when you mention that Building 7, I know we'll talk about it some more as well. But, uh, it, it, again, it it is something that people just look at that alone. It should raise issues itself. Um uh, what would be a brief? Um, well, let, let me go back on this before we get into the technical details again, which which really I want to do as an engineer myself. Are there other parts of the story of the events of 911 that don't add up in the official story? Even before we get into the mechanics of the towers collapse, are there some key things that our listeners should flag them and say, "Hmm, this is worth my time of looking into this further."
3: Oh, you bet. And David Ray Griffin is the is the uh, source to to read for these. His book New Pearl Harbor Revisited is extraordinary in its um, outlining the problems uh, with NORAD, uh, for instance, the stand down allowing these uh, hijacked hijacked airplanes to run. Unmolested in the skies after even after it was known that they were crashing into buildings and, and, and being hijacked, we also have put options being uh, so- sold and purchased uh, the, the day before 9-11, betting millions, uh, I mean a lot of millions that the airline airline uh, companies would go down in value the next day, basically. <clears throat> It's it's direct evidence of inside uh, knowledge of the attacks. And that investigation, by the way, by the 9-11 Commission, uh, stopped at the door of the Deutsche Bank, uh, which uh, has Hmm. some interesting characters running it. So all of these things add up to a very bad picture.
1: Mm -hmm. And, and, And that's just a drop in the bucket. If somebody looks to see the exercises that were going on, if I remember the week of... Uh, where you had simulated Pentagon crashes in the buildings and things like this. It goes on and on. I know that's not our main focus. But, oh, and uh,
3: false lips of, of uh, hijacked airliners on this radar screen so that the tra- traffic controllers didn't know what was real in real world and what was a training exercise.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I want to encourage our listeners, um, that as you hear this information now focused on these buildings and the details, that this is worthy of your time and effort. Our, our listeners are used to being shocked by finding out what's really going on in the world around them, and it's really consistent with a biblical worldview. It's just that we've lost that uh, over the last generation or two, and this is going to be an issue that's, that's a classic case of, of what we normally discuss here. What would be a brief synopsis of the official story, Uh, of the cause of the collapse of the Twin Towers, the official government story, based upon this research and related work.
3: Yes. Um, The the Twin Towers were hit by uh, 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 airliners, and there was a large explosion. Uh, Ninety percent of the jet fuel burns outside of the building. Uh, The remaining 10 percent or whatever uh, burns up inside the building. In, in about 10 minutes. After that, we have normal office fires, uh, and that's that's uh, as far as uh, we uh, agree with the official story.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, after that, what they say is those office fires uh, caused the uh, sagging of floor trusses uh, and the uh, the pulling. Ultimately, the NIST report uh, gives us the column failure theory. Where the perimeter columns are pulled in by these sagging floor trusses, and then the weight of the building above was simply too much for them. So they buckle, and then this, uh, top 15 story section, in the case of the North Tower, uh, basically drives the rest of the building down to the ground and then crushes up itself. Um, and, and so that's basically the official story, slightly different for the, the, the South Tower. It makes, no sense at all once you start to look at the the videos uh it, it, even kids get this and i've shown it to a number of kids <laughs> who really get it the problem is that we see immediately uh like the firemen described uh who who were recorded a hundred of them uh, uh, Witnessing explosions and seeing flashes of light at the onset of the destruction of both of these towers up at the point of jet plane impacts, we see bands of explosions uh, wrapping all the way around the building, which is what they described. And uh, which, which so the top portion of the north tower above the point of jet plane impacts is like a mini controlled demolition, just like Building 7, where it uh, the, the the top uh, perimeter begins a sudden descent at two thirds of free fall acceleration straight down uh smoothly symmetrically uh to where this this fifteen story section is completely disintegrated in about four seconds. And it's hurling uh its its four four ton perimeter wall units laterally at sixty miles an hour uh and uh landing six hundred feet away uh it, and yet this is the the mass that were said that drove the rest of the building down well there there's there is no mass after four seconds after that it's the building itself uh below tearing itself apart again hurling its members laterally
1: let let, let me ask you something mr gage um, with with steel members uh like this. Uh, when they're heated and hot like this, my recollection is they don't snap like twigs. They, they tend to yield and to bend, and when you bend like that, it takes time for it to fold over, even, well, even if it, it takes some period of time. So would that be totally different than what they're talking about, like just this immediate drop collapse, just as if you had so- suddenly cut things and it just free-fell?
3: Uh, There's a couple of concepts here on the table. Uh, One is the uh, weakening point of steel. Uh, Steel can lose half its strength um, in the hottest office fires. Um, But tests uh, of of very hot office fires, even 2,000 degrees, uh, which, which normal office fires don't ever achieve, uh, even those have never caused a collapse in one of these tested structures, like uh, in, in England, uh, uh, cardigan uh, tests uh, reveal that this, the, the steel is extremely resilient. It might sag in those temperatures, but it will, the connections do not uh, give up. Uh, so uh, the floor trusses are lighter in weight than, than in these tests. So they're targeted for the collapse. So NIST actually hired UL to create a mock section of the floor assembly, and it sagged only three or four inches, and that's after after 2,000-degree fires and twice the loading on top that is known to have been in the World Trade Center. What does NIST do with that testing data? They throw it out, and they claim 42 inches of sag in order, presumably, to pull in the perimeter columns, which is their theory. How can they do that?
1: How, how can they? I mean, I was going to ask you this question, Mr. Gage, that, you know, a hypothesis scientifically only holds waters if you can replicate it and watch it. And there are scientific principles on how to, on a smaller scale, replicate the event. I assume that's what they're doing. Uh, but you're saying that the actual data said there was a three-inch sag and for some reason data was falsified? to say a 42-inch sag? Is that what I understood?
3: No, they didn't falsify the data. They actually uh, recorded it in their report, but then they used in their input models 42-inch sags.
1: We're back at FutureQuake with Dr. Future.
2: And Tom um, really trying to soak all this stuff in
1: bionic. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's very frustrating when I when I really think and piece all this together and think what happened on that day, mm-hmm. our government said, look, watch these things. Your eyes don't deceive you. <laughs> they never deceive you. Look, we have airplanes hitting buildings. Then buildings fall. Your, your brain automatically connects the two. Mm-hmm. Planes hit buildings. Buildings fall. Mm-hmm. Without really any hard data to show why A goes to B. Sure. And then it says, well, look, it's so obvious we even found these passports laying around uh, don't look over here, don't look at the evidence, we just need to take this stuff away, and we fall for it well, and not just from them, but we fall from it from well all well, sorts of investigations
2: mr gage uh who's you know an a i a architect you know highly
1: esteemed in the industry, yeah. and you don't get there by having a partial understanding yeah, of he said he and had and the same
2: he said he had the same problem, you know he saw it and then didn't think anything of it until two thousand four, yeah. Or maybe it's 2005. Yeah. Uh,
1: listen to the interview. <laughs> but you know what? That means, like he says, it's growing. And this is something I don't think our government counted on, was that rather than it dissipating, they've put a full court press to make people be crazies. I didn't happen to mention on here, but you know, Glenn Beck says that anybody who believes this is probably a terrorist. That's what he says on his show. Sweet. So, uh, these are pretty distinguished people to be terrorists. But they thought it was going to go away, but now, it's growing, mm-hmm. and some of the people finding out how our government does other things is having them go back and look at it. So Mr. Gage may have been just ahead of the curve, but sort of indicative. Someone else needs to come in as Merv and tell you how to contact us at FutureQuake.
5: FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at Dr. Future at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast.
1: Okay, we got to go real quick. Let's get out of here. I is running late. Come back for a discussion tomorrow. Till then, we hope your future's always bright. Have a good day.
0: Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake.
4: Welcome
0: to the Future Quake Show.
1: I am Dr. Future.
2: And I'm Tom. He who manages to get a little bit of humor into every show, regardless of the intense topic Bionic,
1: didn't really see that one in concert with this topic.
2: I didn't either, but it just sort of is a natural occurrence. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, that's what your role is, I guess.
2: Yeah, it bubbles up. It's yeah,
1: yeah. It's a funny a topic: thousands of idiot. people dying yeah. due to a potential government conspiracy, or you know. I know. But I guess since that's sort of a typical topic on Future Quake, you better find humor there because it's about all we have yeah. on here anymore. I know. God can, God can even use my dysfunctionality. If you missed yesterday's story, which if so you need to go to futurequake.com and catch up on it. Uh we had our first segment yesterday with our guest this week Richard Gage, AIA, who was the founder of Architects and Engineers for 911 Truth, and we talked about the technical realities of the World Trade Center attack and ramifications and update. And we're going to continue with our second installment today. Mr. Gage is a very well Mm high-respected member of the architect community, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly builds buildings uh, that have many structural similarities to the World Trade Center in terms Mm of steel frame buildings that are extremely large, multi-purpose kind of things. And he has passed the rigorous muster of approvals and certifications to be able to do that. So, i.e., he knows his stuff. Yeah. He's not like some wacko that comes up and says, "Well, things don't look right to me." Uh, you, know, you know, which you know, sometimes on some of these theological topics we get. Yeah. Sometimes the credentials of some people are sort of shaky, and I that's not the of, right that people don't have a. Yeah, that's right to talk. It's, it's but, funny
2: mentioning that I could think of a few people like that, yeah, but then people again, are thinking of us. Yeah, I was going to say, are <laughs> but, there mirrors in this room?
1: <laughs> but, uh, but, but in this is a different story. This gentleman has had to meet the requirements, the engineering requirements of his peers. And using those particular requirements, uh, he sees that things don't add up. And what I find interesting is that, you know, I relate as an engineer, uh, to him, is that what started the wheels turning with him was the technical findings of all things a theologian. Mm-hmm. A theologian who actually worked, got this information, and it resonated with this gentleman. Uh, he, he realized that things didn't add up, and we've heard that same story over and over again with people. We have not really bang the drum a lot on nine one one here. Not because we're afraid of we have had a few shows, in fact back in our WRFN days with Robert Hyde. Uh he and I went to the uh conference on nine one one truth mm-hmm. back in two thousand six, I believe. Yeah, didn't in you guys Los get, Angeles didn't
2: you guys get followed out there or something?
1: Well some weird stuff going on there. Yeah. But uh um, can
2: you relate any of that
1: or no? No, I don't remember. Okay. But uh anyway. Call uh, <clears throat> yeah. But uh anyway from there, we could see the overwhelming evidence that was there, and we talked a little bit on future quake, but we've not made it a big deal. But if you take all of the other topics we've had over the years about how our government has lied about basically all the wars that we've had up to now, and, and we're going to hear from a very, very prominent person next week, that very same topic, how they've lied about so many things to us to consolidate their power, to increase their control over our lives, that it almost seems crazy not to suspect the government in this event. Since it's been the ideal case for them to invade countries, mm-hmm. to take away our civil liberties, to consolidate power, mm-hmm. if we were really on top of our game, that should be one of the first things we should suspect.
2: You know, it's so interesting to see that, uh, in, in context of all this, it's so interesting to see the sort of massive, the massive uh, spiritual blindness. I mean, if, if this stuff is really going on, as many of our guests affirm, uh, you would think the typical Christian response would be, "I want to, I want to affirm truth and justice and and love in the name of in the name of our Creator, in the name of For, Jesus." Wherever the truth is. Yeah, wherever the truth lies, I'm going to follow it, and that seems to be anathema to really what I see on most um, mm-hmm. Christianese type things going on. And I'm not really sure how to square that, but I definitely mm-hmm. have some interesting conjectures that deal with things like. Uh, Exodus and Moses coming down mm-hmm. from the hill, and Romans well,
1: 2. Well, you know what I remember on that day, and all the confusion, was that they ran a video of these women who were dressed in foreign garb to us over in Palestine. Palestinian women, that were making this little weird sound, this, mm-hmm. sound. Uh, and we were told that they were celebrating that we had been attacked and lost mm-hmm. lives. Mm-hmm. And I next saw a lot of our Christian leaders in America jump on and basically they were stepping over each other saying, we're going to kill all those people. We're going to go there and kill them. We're going to defend our people and say words. Mm-hmm. And then I happened to find out later, supposedly, that that had been file footage from a year earlier, unrelated. Now, did any Christian leaders go back and say, oh, boy, I was sort of foolish in jumping mm-hmm. on that, which we all can be foolish it, at it's different times and you know jump on things. But you don't see any of that backtracking and forethought going on to a large extent.
2: It's interesting that we're having this discussion because uh David Wilkerson has has made some some statements mm-hmm. that you know uh would affirm sort of our uh, Richard gage's position, and that you know this might you know Elliot Ness we had on this might be a warning and God does work this way. just look at the Old Testament, and at the time I remember listening to him i didn't I knew very little about him and i thought that was some pretty crazy talk uh but
1: i mean he does kind of have a point mhm you
2: know that the old testament is filled with that and
1: i won't even call it patriotism it's a false patriotism it's clinging to a myth of americanism that we've been sold as a uh, myth it's clinging clinging to power and that and that clinging has has been preeminent over christians just simply looking for truth wherever it is even mm-hmm. if it's uncomfortable and yeah. you know our guys versus the other guys and mm-hmm. i'm not talking about christians versus not i'm talking about people mm-hmm. on our in our country we've watched movies we watch cowboy movies the army movies mm-hmm. and that has gone into the christian thinking mm-hmm. and we're going to talk more about that tomorrow but we need to introduce our guest mr richard gage AIA founder of architects and engineers for now one truth and again he's going to talk in our second installment here about Technical realities of the World Trade Center attack and ramifications and update. And we'll be back to wrap it up here future Quake.
3: They're they're very clear and open about this. They had uh, four different scenarios, realistic scenarios, and then worst-case scenarios where they increased the, the plane speed, uh, the angle, decreased the strength of the steel, increased the temperature of the building fires um, and until they got the behavior in the model that they wanted. It's like... Um, shooting uh, an arrow and then uh, getting somebody to uh, move the bullseye uh, target over (laughs) so that it gets hit. It's uh, not science. Uh, It's not a scientific method. Uh, We're demanding an investigation that uses the scientific method that accounts for all of the evidence, uh, such as the fact that 110 floors in each of these buildings are not found at the base, of either of these towers after the collapse. Now, this is a gravitational collapse. Gravity works down. It should pull all these floors trapping people, furniture, um, uh, file cabinets, desks, chairs, computers, etc., between them and found at the bottom. Guess how many of those 110 floors, each of which was an acre in size, how many are found at the bottom?
1: Uh, I, I don't know. Zero.
3: Zero. zero is right uh every one of them are missing and uh there are no macroscopic chunks of four inch concrete we're talking 90,000 tons of concrete in these floors uh most all of which is pulverized to a very fine powder and laid in a four to twelve inch thick blanket throughout all of lower Manhattan this is not a gravitational collapse those concrete uh, floors were poured in metal decking, uh, which is 22 gauge. Each and there's so there's 22, uh, 220 acres of metal decking missing. There's 10,000 trusses missing at the bottom of this pile. There's a, a thousand people for which we find not even a, a piece small enough to fit into a test tube. I mean they were vaporized. Uh, completely unaccounted for. So you're
1: saying it had to be expelled outward, away from the collapse site. Is that right?
3: Yes, that's what the videos show. Massive plumes of uh, of pulverized concrete and steel uh, components uh, pulverized and and, and sent uh, laterally. Uh, a body, uh, one of the bodies of a, of a, f- a firefighter was found uh, four blocks away. A torso landing on the top of a car. Uh, it's, it's, it's extremely strange uh, what's going on here. We have 10,000 file cabinets probably in these buildings. They found one little piece of one in, in, in within the basement. Now, how do you get 10,000 file cabinets to disappear?
2: You blow them up. No. So we're talking
3: about very, very incredibly uh, fine pulverization of the uh, fine metal, metal like metal filings in all the dust. Uh, that, that's where those metal filing cabinets and the, and the steel decking are there, and all that dust.
1: Is, is there an official explanation of how a body, is, they ever even attempted to explain, how a body could be propelled four blocks away from just a vertical collapse?
3: No. Nor is there an explanation how uh, 700 bone fragments the size of a grain of rice were found on the skyscraper roof across the street from the South Tower.
1: Okay. Uh, So so no other natural buoyant mechanisms by which to transport that unless they were actually propelled in that direction.
3: Yeah, this takes a tremendous lateral force. In fact, what we see in the videos is upward and outward arching streamers. Uh, It's almost like a geometry of fireworks. Once you look at these videos with with, uh, a a new set of eyes, you know, uh, new possibilities, step outside the shock and awe that we were placed in right. that day. Uh, all of us are suspending our rational judgment, accepting what the experts told us. This is what most architects, including myself, did uh, on, on, on 9-11. You know, we had no frame of reference for the Twin Towers. Uh, we didn't know how at, at the tall tower comes down in a top-down collapse. It's never happened before, ever, in history. In fact, we've had over 100 uh, steel frame uh, skyscrapers uh, on fire, massive fires, but yet not one of them has ever caused the collapse of one of these buildings.
1: Hmm. Uh, Regarding the fire aspect of it, which is of particular interest to me, you were mentioning the kind of temperatures they were trying to create. Uh, How hot did they have to finally presume the interior was to be able to get the kind of behavior to, you know, in their models to repl- replicate what happened that day.
3: Well, they claim 1,800 degree Fahrenheit fires in, in these, which is ludicrous because these fires uh, were, especially in the case of the South Tower, uh, uh, dark, thick smoke uh, uh, and almost out um, at the time of the collapse, uh, 56 minutes after uh, the plane impacted the South Tower. Compare that to massive fires that lasting uh, up to 20, 24 hours sometimes uh, where buildings don't even uh, fall.
1: Now, uh, now, that 1,800 yet- degrees would require a, a liquid fuel pool fire with com- complete mixing, with no entrainment of combustion byproducts. It would inhibit the combustion. Anything, if you have a pool fire out in the open completely with all the air it could ever want and need without any other complications, it may approach that temperature correct. But but then when the fuel burns out, there's really nothing else to maintain that kind of temperature. Is that, is that right?
3: Yeah. yeah, and 90% of that fuel burned outside the building. The rest was gone in 10 minutes. So it's not the fuel that created uh, the the massive heat that is said to have uh, sagged uh, these Weakened the steel structure. It's the normal office fires, which they just can't do. I mean, they're, you know, fourteen, sixteen hundred 1,600 degrees maximum. Uh, and even the uh, the steel that was selected by John Gross of NIST of uh, for its proximity to the hottest office fires, 230 pieces of steel saved. Uh, the metallographic paint analysis shows temperatures <clears throat> of only four or 500 degrees. Uh, uh, so, even that doesn't bear out uh, the claimed 1,800 degrees. The problem is we do, in fact, have evidence in, at the bottom of, of both of these piles and Building 7 of much, <clears throat> much hotter temperatures. We're talking molten iron, and, and they called it steel. It turns out to be molten iron. The first responders were just aghast. They said, flowing like lava, molten. They'd never seen this before. In fact, it's pouring out of the South tower ten minutes before it collapses uh, bright uh, yellowish uh, uh, molten metal. well, Stephen Jones, a physicist formerly from Brigham Young University, does uh, uh, microprobe testing on these uh, chunks of molten previously molten metal and slag from the ends of these beams. He finds that it's it's not melted steel uh, it's it's molten iron. And FEMA even finds molten iron invading the grain boundaries of the steel. They document this in their Appendix C. They say it has intergranular melting, rapid oxidation, sulfidation, uh, evaporation of the ends of these beams. Uh, This is documented in FEMA in May of 2002. Uh, And and so what does NIST do with this information when they take over the, the, the investigation? They throw it out the window. It's not a part of the official record anymore. They deny the evidence for molten metal, and yet there's dozens of photographs and videos and eyewitnesses. So we have a real problem with the investigation from that angle too. So the 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 even FEMA finds in the in the uh, uh, in the steel uh, this uh, sulfur attack, hot sulfur attack. Well, sulfur is added to thermite to become thermate. It lowers the melting point of steel. It's um, part of uh, of thermite, which is an incendiary used by the military to cut through steel like a hot knife through butter. So this is pretty darn interesting and it gets even worse because all of the the dust laid throughout lower Manhattan has in it uh, small microspheres found by USGS and other, other firms uh, we're talking about previously molten microspheres. The diameter, most of them, uh, about the diameter of a human hair. And, and these are ubiquitous throughout all the dust. They called the it characteristic of the World Trade Center dust. They had no explanation for it whatsoever. Well, the only explanation that makes sense is consistent with the rest of the data, and that is that. Uh, if you had, uh, for instance, uh, thousands of thermite expl- uh, cutter charges going off under explosive conditions, uh, the, liqu- the byproduct of thermite is, in fact, liquid molten iron at 4,500 degrees. So that explains where the temperatures came from. But under explosive conditions, that liquid would be atomized. And just like out of a spray bottle, uh, you get these tiny spheres that's what you'd have in this condition, and that those spheres of liquid molten iron would cool and fall, with all of the dust being propelled laterally by these incredible explosive forces that we see. And you, in you say
1: the video. they have no answer for what other source could have produced that material? Inter- well, you know what they
3: say. Yeah, they say, well, this is the the cleanup equipment. You know, they're cutting torches down at the site problem is uh, these, these samples are recovered uh, uh, less than 10 minutes after the collapse of the tower on the Brooklyn Bridge, one of them, uh, before any cleanup operations obviously are happening, and collected on top of the skyscraper two or three blocks away. Uh, there's no cleanup equipment going on up there. Uh, and and they, they travel as far as the dust travels all across Manhattan. There's no cleanup equipment uh, operations going on now, were there. there. Were,
1: were there some recent announcements about some of the findings from some of these independent universities about some of these samples that just occurred like in the last year
3: yeah well first of all this Dr. Jones uh, and his team of scientists uh, find that these spheres are in fact molten iron they're not steel they're not melted steel so where does molten iron even come from uh, well, it, as we mentioned, it comes from thermite. But more interesting, um, what does it have in it? It has abundant manganese, uh, fluorine, uh, aluminum. Uh, the, manganese and fluorine are extremely unusual. I mean, they should not be in uh, the World Trade Center uh, rubble uh, whatsoever. Uh, manganese is from potassium permanganate. It's used as an oxidizer in thermite, which is why, by the way, the, the, the fires were burning underwater. They burn just thermite burns just as well under water they could not get sure. these fires out for months and then uh fluorine is used in very special thermite charges called sol gels uh, and they can be packed into uh cutter charges and uh set off and uh, ejected molten iron through structural steel in and in, in thousandths of a second so this is damning evidence but what you're referring to is the other finds they made in in all of their samples, this international team of scientists throughout lower Manhattan. These dust samples contain small chips, uh, a sixteenth of an inch large, is, is I think the largest ones that they found, but hundreds and hundreds of them in each of the samples. Uh, red on one side, gray on the other. Now, the red side is composed of extremely small particles of, iron oxide and aluminum powders. The iron oxide powders are perfectly rhomboidal in shape and about a 1,000 times smaller than the human hair. Uh, This is nanoscale technology, extremely sophisticated material, Uh, and and same with the aluminum powders, uh, which are wafer-like and very uniform, and these two in proportion to each other to make up thermite uh, one quarter to three quarters so uh, this stuff is not made in a cave in Afghanistan in fact it was only it was developed in Lawrence Livermore lab, Los Alamos lab and uh, documented about a couple of years before 9-11 it it is extremely sophisticated material made only in the uh, most advanced defense contracting laboratories
1: and there's no other natural explanation for that material being there
3: uh, no <laughs> no there's no reason for nanothermitic composite explosives being uh, found in the throughout the World Trade Center dust and there's no excuse for NIST uh, not to have looked for it. they say we never found any evidence for explosives in their report later they acknowledge that they never looked for it uh, in fact they won't look for it now uh, I can think of a reason uh, the NIST was staffed with defense contracting experts in in uh, nanothermi- nanothermite technology uh, They were responsible for conducting the investigation they <laughs> They clearly had a stake in uh, in uh, in not finding it uh, is, is, is my best guess
1: well now um you, you've talked about these independent researchers that had to go on their own nickel. Independently and with with a lot of um, derision from from government channels to go independently and try to get these answers and I know there were some preeminent universities that were funded to give credible data uh, to this information. There was a huge pile of evidence that was there in the wreckage, obviously. what happened to that how How did the government handle all of the wreckage there as far as letting independent investigators come in? And investigate it. What happened in the hours and days after 911, as far as preserving the crime scene?
3: Well, um, that's exactly what should have been done. This is a crime scene by any definition, and should have been preserved. But what was happening was the uh, immediate shipment of of steel, structural steel in the building, at 400 truckloads a day being ejected out of there put on barges, sent to China for recycling, uh, to be destroyed, basically. This is the illegal destruction of evidence. This would be like taking a plane that crashed and, and throwing it um, in the garbage, re- re- recycling it instead of what they really do when plane crashes and when buildings come down, uh, uh, in the rare exception where there is uh, like, like an earthquake. They try to figure out how steel buildings came down. They lay it out. They try to understand it. They examine the forensic evidence. But it was all destroyed in this case. In fact, it was destroyed before the FEMA report came out in May of 2002, uh, citing that their best theory about how this building came down, fire, and then some random damage uh, relative to Building 7, their best theory has only a low probability of occurrence. So they say further research investigation are required. But all the steel had been destroyed, so they had nothing to look at.
1: Now, in my career, I I actually uh, did aircraft crash investigations for the military, at least assisted when there was a fire as part of it. And one of the things they always teach at the beginning is don't presume an answer when you begin to look at the evidence. The first thing is of course the safety of people there. Once their safety is secured is to secure the evidence and do not disturb the evidence because that will tell the story and you're likely to miss the real answer. And what it appears to me here is they sold the solution. Look, uh, everybody looked up and saw airplanes hit it. Obviously, it fell, two and two together. It must have been related to the two. And, in fact, some passports, just so happened to be the passports of the bad guys, had to float down through the fire and the debris and the wreckage and land right down where we could recover them to prove who these bad guys are. So, so basically, they hopscotched over a review of the evidence and basically sold an answer to get everyone to look in another direction. Is that really what happened?
3: Uh, it certainly seems like uh, what happened to me. Um, we, I mean, you can't. I don't know how it can be seen any other way.
1: We're back at Future Quake with Doctor Future and Tom. Um, wow, Bionic. When we were down into the nitty gritty, we we started into it the last segment and mm-hmm. continued about the engineering issues, uh, about basically the government tweak the models to give answers they want. -hmm. Which also happened in the global warming issue, too. Mm -hmm. We definitely have to get an answer. And uh, we find this over and over again. And you know, when people are talked about how the government has done this in different topics, Mm -hmm. people forget 911 as a classic case uh, where this happens. And you know what? All of our stuff gets shot down. I would say there's some people at the forefront of 911 that are prominent evangelicals. I mean, not even, I mean, uh, environmentalists Mm -hmm. uh, from from the left side (coughs) that would really ouch. For them to admit that our government would have faked some stuff about global warming mm-hmm. because they really were gung-ho in believing it. Mm-hmm. Just like many of us would hate to think that government patriotically would lie to us about this stuff. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is, for, for number matter where you come from, if you really search truth, it's going to out you one way or the other. Something that you really hoped was true, yeah, you know what's, you're going to find out it's not true. You know what's scary right?
2: if you run with the idea of the world hating... You know, if you're, if you're really alive in Christ and
1: dead to the world, the world's gonna hate you. Yeah. And you, so. But you know, the Lord says, He says, you don't get any honor if you give them reason to hate you. Yeah. It's like if you commit crimes or do bad things and you pay for it, there's no honor than that. Mm -hmm. But when you're innocent and righteous and you suffer, Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't get to talk about this here, but basically, the admission here at the end of the show was that, uh, the government basically got rid of the evidence. Mm -hmm. It was really a criminal act to get mm-hmm. rid of evidence, to not allow investigators mm-hmm. to find out what's going on, mm-hmm. because they had a story to sell. Mm-hmm. And if that doesn't convince people that there was a story to sell about 911, and we've had more stories to sell, whether it's about weapons of mass destruction and stuff, and I'll be the first to confess that I bought it. I had bought the story. And are not the only understand. one. Well, someone else who doesn't, uh, well, I won't put words in his mouth, but <laughs> he'll tell you the truth, is Merv. He'll tell you how to contact us at Quake.
5: Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast.
1: we got to go. All right, let's get out of here. Come back for the last segment with Mr. Gage tomorrow. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye.
5: Join us next time
0: as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. 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 Quake.
1: Welcome to the Future Quick Show. I am Dr. Future.
2: And I am Tom, uh, very burdened with all of this information that we're going to be looking at here, Bionic.
1: And have been looking at over the course of this week. Yes. Because uh, we're coming up on our third installment of our interview with Richard Gage, AIA, who is the founder of Architects and Engineers for 911 Truth. And we're talking about the technical realities of the World Trade Center attack and ramifications and update. And yes, it is the 911 truth topic. And if this if this infuriates you, or if you roll your eyes, or whatever, when you hear that, you need to stop and ask yourself why do you do that automatically about any topic? Christians need to stop doing that I, and I, start saying, "Let's look at the facts."
2: You know, I I made this call Monday, and I'll and I'll do it again here. Uh, I would that I would that anybody would just listen to the listen to this interview. Uh, this guy is an expert in his field, and just before you start, just really pray uh, for truth. Really pray that God will show you the truth, even if it, it's uncomfortable. He will open your ears to whatever the truth is. And if you take a stance that is different from uh, our guest, uh, and that you feel that's that's divinely inspired, then okay. But if you, but just be aware that I think this is something that people really need to pray about.
1: Well, and I will be one person to step up and say. That due to my journey in that respect, I have already had some sacred cows that I really believed in that have been mm-hmm. deflated, but they've, but they've, they've sort of gone down and it hurt. It hurt what I understood about America mm-hmm. and what I understood about things. I also felt foolish mm-hmm. that I should have seen these things earlier, uh, that I actually was booing the wrong people and, and cheering the wrong people. And I bet you that's not over. I still probably have a lot more to learn in that area. So if it, if that thought subconsciously disturbs anybody in our audience, I just want to tell them to join the club. That, mm-hmm. in fact, when you serve the Lord, the fact that we see through a mirror darkly, uh, and, and again, I still see through that mirror darkly, I believe mm-hmm. you do too, is that <clears throat> that is something that's just going to happen to us as we walk the Christian walk and go through stages. Words. Things we think the way they are, we're going to find out they're not. Mm-hmm. Because His ways are not our ways. Mm-hmm. You know, know, and what he understands about the world is different than ours.
2: I've been finding that out constantly.
1: And either you can just sort of wring your hands and be real painful over it, or you can accept it, that the fact that there's just a lot you don't understand and it's going to take time to learn it and just lean on the Lord and His Word. And if the circumstances around you don't rely on the Word, then that means you're probably not looking at the circumstances right. Yeah. And, uh, Tell it. and you may be even interpreting the Word wrong. Very or, bold. or listen to somebody who's saying it differently, yeah, anything you want to add before we go into the interview from his technical discussion?
2: You know, I really feel that uh, in uh, his humbleness really comes through,
0: to yeah
1: be honest, you know yeah, yeah, I didn't see him uh you know snide comments or any arrogance, no. any kind of thing say, condescending
2: no, look, the other side is just crazy. So let's just begin from that premise and, yeah. and I'll begin to name call for.
1: He's been, uh, he's just comes across really as matters. wanting to do something constructive. like he's an architect or something. Yeah. Yeah. Something constructive. And well, and that's the way engineers and people like that are supposed to be, is to do yeah. something constructive. Mm-hmm. And that's a word for all of us. So, no further ado, here's uh, Richard Gage in our last section uh, of the interview talking about the technical realities of the World Trade Center attack and ramifications. We'll be back to wrap it up here at Future Quake. So, well, you, you mentioned Building 7 which has over time grown to be probably uh, one of the most controversial aspects of this whole incident there in in New York. What is the official story on the collapse of World Trade Center 7? Again, a huge building in its own right, uh, right there in proximity to the Twin Towers. What's the official story, and what elements of it defy sound engineering principles?
3: Well, we have... Uh, a whole bunch of different theories up front uh some people thought it was diesel fuel um, from the generators in the building. some people thought it was uh, uh, the space uh, there oh, was spaced. Um, <laughs> the, the, the damage from the north tower uh, that uh, hit hit the hit some of it hit the building but NIST comes back later and uh, s- tells us that neither of these are significant factors. In fact, there was no diesel fuel burning uh, because that was all in the fifth floor, and uh, the fifth floor wasn't on fire. So we we uh, were told that it's substantially normal office fires. So for the first time in history, a, four, a steel frame skyscraper has, has has collapsed due to normal office fires. Now that's a huge event. In the history of skyscrapers, there are hundreds and hundreds of buildings that are tall and taller. Uh, so we have an amazing event, a, a clear uh, requisite to save that steel and to understand how that building came down. And, and yet we talked about the destruction of the evidence. Now here's the theory: NIST says that uh, we we have massive fires for you know all afternoon. Uh, on the, in, in these floors but what we have evidence for in the photographs and videos is small scattered isolated pockets of fires and a lot of smoke on the south side of the building and they say that what happened was we have long span beams in, in this building so on the 12th floor where they say the fires were hottest uh, we have the expansion of these long span beams which pushed a girder off of its seat on Column 79 under the East Penthouse, and then that floor, the 13th floor, falls on the 12th, the 12th falls on the 10th, and so on for nine floors, until this instability travels laterally through the end, out the inside of the building and up, and then basically the, the inside of the building was just caved in. Um, and, and then, uh, as if by magic, the, the, the whole building then comes down on the outside um it it makes no sense for a whole number of reasons uh first of all, the fires themselves were out over an, in the, on that floor in that section over an hour before and NIST acknowledges this in in their uh in in one of their appendixes appendix l uh and and yet, so so there'd uh, be
1: no reason reason for continued expansion. Of those beams once the fires are out, right?
3: right. Yeah, they, they regain their, their strength, or most all of it, uh, uh, after after that heat passes. The fires only are in a given portion of a building 20 minutes or so, and they move on. They need fuel, uh,
4: right. they
3: burn a place out in 20 minutes. So we're told that, that, that these fires were hanging around this column 79 for that long. The reason is, is because the East Penthouse fails about six seconds prior to the rest of the building, so it's, it's, they have to find a reason to uh, substantiate that, and so they focus on uh, make this fire bigger in, in that area. In addition, uh, those beams are all fireproof. They're, they're not going to be expanding um, at all. Secondly, they're tied structurally with shear studs to the concrete floors up above, so they can't expand. The, girders, uh, the, the girder, which we're told was pushed off of its seat, couldn't have been pushed because it is also tied with shear studs to the concrete floor up above. And NIST acknowledges this in their earlier draft, but they deny it in the uh, later draft. Uh, more importantly, uh, the, you wouldn't have a cascading set of failures from structural connection to structural connection in this redundant, robust um uh, uh building uh uh the, these these connections are extremely over designed and built and there's never been a collapse of a building uh due to any local uh failure at all in in these in these steel frame buildings uh so that doesn't happen in addition we have the uh the the computer model that NIST created to prove to us how this building came down doesn't look anything like the video, uh, the videos of the building's collapse. Uh, it looks more like what would have happened, in fact, uh, in a natural uh, collapse, uh, where there's massive bulging and indentation uh, in the steel frame perimeter of the building as the building is warping and coming down, and the top is even tipping in their model, and they stopped that model after about three seconds, because it's obvious that it's not going to behave anything like the it, was, the
1: it would it start to twist, right? Because it's sort of non concentric in the failure mode. Yeah,
3: yeah, hmm. it's, it's an it's an eccentric uh, uh, loading that uh, that follows the laws of entropy, increasing oh. chaos. Right. You know, it, it, it's not going to look Natural. like a, a controlled demolition, which is. Whereas the videos... Yeah,
1: if you look on the video, you see vertical walls around the perimeter fall virtually exactly vertical, all at the exact same speed at the exact same time. It would be basically an absolute perfect demolition
3: video. Yes, that would take the the removal of all 24 core columns within a tenth of a second of each other in order to bring that building down with that uh, symmetry. Uh, any deviation from that pattern and the building will begin to tip. And fire is not precise like that. Fire would have well fire wouldn't be taking any of these columns out, uh, let alone all of them at once. I mean, this is a fireproof building, uh, two and three hour fireproof. and that's all uh, by the way, those fires lasted uh, in, in any in any in any floor in any given area. Uh, we, we don't have fires lasting that long. They were moving around. That's what that's what fires do. Now, is this the so, same
1: building that the BBC, the reporter on camera, is saying that the building fell when it's still standing up behind her?
3: Is in this... fact, um, there, there's massive evidence of foreknowledge of the collapse of this building. BBC announced it 20 minutes before it actually collapsed. They say the 47-story Solomon Brothers building uh, collapsed due to structural weakening. They actually had the reason, and it hadn't wow. even collapsed yet. Uh, this is uh, an indictment. They apologize for this grievous error, citing the confusing events uh, of the day. <laughs> Does that make them psychic Did, or did they
1: announce a lot of other buildings that collapsed that day, too, due to the chaos well, that didn't yet. fall? <laughs> uh, I,
3: and there's some interesting stories about the Twin Towers, but CNN announced the collapse of a 50-story building at 1045 in the in the morning. Well, they actually announced it at 1107, but they say that a firefighter ran by and said a 50-story 50, 50 building went down uh, at 1045. Well, no, there's no other 50-story building. There's no other mm-hmm. buildings that uh, collapsed on that day, as a matter of fact. Only the three towers, the two twin towers that morning. So had the building gone down at 1045 in the morning, Building 7, it would have been completely obscured in the massive dust clouds of the twin towers. We might not even question because we wouldn't have the clear videos that show its uh, smooth, symmetrical descent at free fall speed into its own footprint, like a house of cards, like a perfect classic implosion.
1: I have never met a single person, and and I'm 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 one who has at least some scientific knowledge of this area, uh, but even people who are laypersons that have seen those videos that can look me in the eye and say that that looks like a natural collapse due to some kind of damage to a building. Yeah. Uh, everyone looks and shakes their head and says yeah, things aren't as they are, and they just hate to go there. They just hate to go in the direction of what the ramifications are, and I know we're coming here to the to the conclusion. We wish we could have you so much longer, mm-hmm. but, but can you just very briefly comment on what has been the behavior of our government and our mass media with regard to assisting groups like yours and getting to the real truth concerning these events? How, how have they assisted you or not?
3: well um uh, there's <laughs> no assistance um we have very little reception in in fact with the uh, congressmen and senators that we've met with uh at their offices um there's a quite a, a campaign uh, in the 9/11 truth movement um wh- which is you know millions strong now um uh and uh it's it's being Ignored. The attempt is to ignore it. Uh, now they can't ignore it. There's a, there's a, there's a fight back. There's a, there's a criticism. Uh, um, but there's always some media outlets that do uh, let it through. Uh, we've been lucky here and there. And those, uh, the Fifth Estate uh, program from from the CBC Canadian Broadcasting Corporation uh, has been very fair. Uh, we've had some other breakthroughs which are shown uh, on our website. Um, Japan and France, uh, Japan and Spain have been very fair with us. New Zealand had a, had a great uh, spot uh, for us on both national public TV and national r- radio. Uh, it, it, it's, it's slow, hard, trudging work, uh, but it is a joy because this m- movement is filled with People who are patriotic and doing this uh, at great sacrifice and because of the love of their country. And so we're encouraging them to send the AE911truth.org link to every architect and engineer that they can find and everybody else that they know, because we may not have a lot of time. We've been warned about far worse false flag attacks. Uh, uh, We call it that. Uh, They call it Mm -hmm. terrorist attacks. Um, by members of our media, our government, the uh, administration, and um, we're, we, we, we have very little time to wake ourselves up before you, we get to the next
1: one. You mean like when Cheney was telling Sy about dressing up our ships to look like Iranian gunboats and attacking our bows to try to precipitate other wars, things like that?
3: That would be an example, the Gulf of Tonkin, which apparently mm-hmm. never Incident which never happened. Never happened, yeah.
1: This is clearly established by the historians now. uh, NSA's own historian. Pearl Harbor, other kind of things like this. So basically what you're saying is history will repeat itself. Now we have tools like the Internet. We have other means of communication. We're independent people. If they're willing to dedicate themselves and totally devote themselves at great loss they actually have at least some kind of means by which to get the word out if people can wake up. Um, we primarily reach out to people of faith in the Christian community in, in, in the U.S. as well as internationally. Um, have they showed up to the discussion? Have, have you seen a notable number of people that are come from the traditional Christian community that are in pursuit of truth that are actually providing any kind of assistance in these issues?
3: Uh, it's it's uh, seriously lacking, I would have to say. Here and there, certainly, and um, I'm 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 flabbergasted because I I would hope for much greater support in the churches across our country. Uh, I don't know what what's going on, what the reason is. Uh, do you have an idea?
1: Well, you know, if they love war, if they love war more than truth, uh, I find that it can impede their ability to understand and look at data clearly. Uh, if they support a what they view as America versus what is honest truth and what history tells them, that can actually impede their ability. But I think you could agree with me, Tom, is that there's a new generation of people a younger generation who love were, Jesus and mm-hmm. also love truth yeah. who who do not have all this baggage they carry from the cold war no they're they're willing to, to look objectively,
2: yeah, they're willing to look objectively and willing to do some very hard things socially and and, you know, risk ostracization. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Unfortunately, they don't typically have reins of great wealth or power. No. They just devote and give themselves over to the effort. They just
2: give their lives to what they believe is justice and truth.
1: Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm -hmm. And when we see thousands of people that could have lost their lives due to criminals that maybe have not been exposed yet, when Mm -hmm. we see millions of people who may be subject to attack, Mm-hmm. Based upon false pretenses, uh, when we when we see widespread deception in our country, I can't see something that the Christian community can ignore.
4: Yeah,
1: you I know they were to the yeah, dance yeah. for 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 slavery. They were to the dance for civil rights and many other issues. Um, um, this is another issue of that yeah. of that day. I know we we've got to wrap up here uh, toward the end, uh, Mr. Gage. Um, what needs to occur? What are the key developments need to occur to expose the real truth convincingly and to be able to make that information available to the bulk of the public?
3: Um, we have to use the tools that we have. And we uh, are very aware that many people respond uh, immediately to the Blueprint for Truth DVD. Uh, which is available on our website. You can watch it. You can buy it. Um, that, and in, in, in given out, uh, and, and it's available uh, very inexpensively in envelopes in bulk, uh, and, and, and uh, this has proven to be a, a tool that wakes up most people, and we're talking about waking up people. We're talking about sleeping America. Americans need to wake up, and uh, if you can get people to watch this DVD, they will wake up uh 90% of them uh and that is and, and that's what you know that's what Jesus wants us to do is is wake up uh he doesn't want us sleeping and being uh, tools of uh some uh larger darker um uh manipulative um, uh call it an empire for for, for mm-hmm. lack of a, a better word uh uh, we're, we're to be liberated, uh, I believe.
1: And that's not a Democratic or Republican thing, is it?
3: No, no. Uh, no, I was a, a Reagan Republican uh, myself. Uh, I don't know what I am now. Uh, right. I'm confused. I don't trust the, the, what I hear in the radio and the TV in the newspapers uh, anymore. I try to verify everything that I have time to verify, Mm -hmm. and I usually find that I'm not being fed the truth, and I need to get uh, my information from alternative sources. Mm -hmm. We have to do something uh, about 9-11. It's not history. It it created two wars, which we are still in, which massive numbers of people are still dying in, including our own soldiers. Uh, We've lost our... uh, God-given rights uh, in in the Constitution that was fought for uh, by our forefathers—we've given it away in legislation as a result of 9/11. And so, uh, 9/11 is the Achilles' heel of this dark system, which must be uh, uh, exposed, turned over. We 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 have to step forward. It's our patriotic duty.
1: You know, Judge Napolitano uh, just recorded a show with us here, and he came out and admitted when we asked him, uh, he talked about all the wars that we've been in basically being a lie foisted on us by our government, and we asked him about 911 and the resultant war on terror, and if citizens should ha- question the official government story and be skeptical of it, and he said absolutely. Uh, he was unequivocal in standing forward, a very influential person, particularly within the right, saying that given the track record our government has, you have every reasonable right to doubt the official story that we have on these events. And so key people are coming forward. Uh, We know you have to run. Uh, Can you tell us one more time how our listeners can keep up with your research, get your products, donate to your work, if possible? How how can they do that?
3: Oh, you bet. Uh, We we need uh, your help. Uh, We we operate by the grace and and the generosity of of, uh, our family of sustaining donors who who give anywhere from $10 or more per month to keep us uh, going, operating, uh, getting the word out to architects, engineers, and others throughout the country. So the website is AE911truth.org, and uh, the tools that you need are, are on that website. In the store, the information is available. The links are great. Uh, you can do all kinds of research. You can spend weeks on this website.
1: So every dollar they give there, you can guarantee will go into research or activities that will help promote and get the word out to inform Americans, right?
3: Absolutely. In fact, we're a 501c3 corporation, nonprofit corporation, and, and uh, your donations are tax-deductible as well. Hmm. And, yes, uh, 100% of those go toward our mission which is to wake up America.
1: Or they could give it to a political party of their choice. It makes them feel very good and have that money go to pay for strippers in Las Vegas <sighs> oh, for their dear. people, yeah. as, the, uh, wow. as our news has. So, yes, Christians, true. you can decide. Which one of those do you think uh, would honor Christ? People who are working on a shoestring budget to try to, uh, not for their own purposes, but to try to expose truth? Uh, are those who take your money and live uh, uh, very luxuriously? Uh, to try to fool you that they represent your very interest. Um, Thank you so much for joining us. And and in closing, can I presume that if Americans don't wake up, and particularly the church, if they don't wake up and they let the status quo go, should we expect more wars, more false flag operations, more innocent Americans dying, more international people dying, and further loss of freedoms?
3: Yes, uh, we can expect uh, just that if we choose the path of denial and we go back to sleep and continue to be a part of the problem. Or we can wake up and demand a real investigation and take part actively in our democracy, which is what our forefathers uh, did and ask, are asking us to
1: do. Okay, so the America right now is the horse being led into the uh, the uh, horse trailer to the glue factory, like an animal farm. And you can either decide now to kick away and run away, or you can be passive and trust what they tell you and let them put you right in the trailer off to the glue farm. And that's really where American society is right now. Uh, I yeah, want to thank destroyed. you. I want to thank you so much for joining us. Would you come back sometime on your very busy schedule, and share a little bit more with us about this information and update us on what's going on?
3: I sure would, Michael. It'd be an honor. Thank you. Well, thank well, you, Tom. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Thank you for being here.
2: This was this was one of the most important shows we've done in a long time. I think.
1: Thank you for your devotion, and we trust that God is going to honor your sacrifice, so your career, your very lucrative career, and that um, the people who matter will be able to repay you for the tremendous work you've done on behalf of all of us citizens. I want to thank you so much for your devotion.
3: Thank you, Michael. Thanks, thanks, Tom. Again. Thanks.
1: Thanks again. God bless. We we'll look forward to hearing from you soon. We're back at Futurequake with Doctor Future
2: and Tom. Uh, very, very weighted by this week's discussion. Very in my soul.
1: You know. Mm-hmm. Bionic. You know, time-wise, that was one of your longer middle names. Maybe not Sorry. a number of words, but time. No, that's okay. Um, Christians will probably look at you like, "Why would you be weighted down by this?" You know, we've got other stuff that we normally talk about on Christian radio that should weigh you down. Why should something like this w- weird, fluky thing with all these crazy people talking? Why should that weigh you down? Well, why should that be a Christian's concern?
2: Well, actually, well, I mean. Certainly, if we can affirm that it is true for a second, just for sake of argument, yeah, I I I think it's it's self-evident why it's important, and so the the idea is not that the idea, of course, is whether or not it's true, not whether or not why you should Mm -hmm. care, and the thing that I think distresses me most is when I speak to other Christians about this stuff, uh, any and and not just this topic, but many of the things we cover on our show, uh, a wall of a wall of not hearing goes up, yeah, and it's almost I'm, I'm becoming more and more convinced that, that may, there may be a spiritual aspect to it. Yeah. And I don't know. Uh, I, I just don't know. Yeah.
1: And that doesn't mean everybody has to agree with us one way or the other on these mm-hmm. issues.
2: Sure. There are of positions to take.
1: But if you won't take a serious listen to somebody, you need to ask yourself questions about yourself. mm mm-hmm. uh, And it's not just this issue. It can mm-hmm. be political issues. It can be issues of war. It can be a whole issue of things. Uh, you better start listening to Christians who have a different perspective and just stop and ponder. Mm-hmm. And that'd be a good dose for all of us, and we can do this rationally and really search our hearts. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Gage uh, gets into the discussion here at the end, uh, wondering why Christians aren't part of the discourse. And that's the question I have. And that's the question our listeners need to ask. And you can let us know by contacting us, and, and uh, Murph can tell you how to contact us here at Future Quake.
5: Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at Future at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay,
1: we got to go. Let's get out of here. We're going to have a special two section tomorrow Tremors, Thursday and Friday. <laughs> yeah. But, but until then, we hope your future's always bright. Have a good day. Ciao.
0: Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake.
4: quake.
1: Welcome to the Future Quake show. I am Dr. Future and
2: I'm Tom, not a big fan of crime prediction software.
1: Biomatic. I hope that's foreshadowing, otherwise I'm clueless as to what that means. No, that is very much foreshadowing because you know what day it is? Well, it's Thursday and first of all I want to tell everybody again welcome to the Future Quake show and being Thursday, you know what that means? It means that it's one day before Friday. Thank you for that deep insight here. I know Mm -hmm. our listeners are glad they tuned in for that. Mm -hmm. Actually, um, since our interview uh, with Mr. Gage uh, concluded a day earlier than normal, Mm -hmm. Uh, he's a man in high demand, so Mm -hmm. we we had an abbreviated interview. This gives us one extra day on Thursday for tomorrow's Tremors or today's review of the Futures News. Oh, that's what's going on. Yeah, so uh, we have an extra day to review some news and uh, any other announcements you have before we proceed? I thought uh, Mr.
2: Gage's uh, thing was very profound. It really affected me.
1: Really? Yeah.
2: I think we
1: should have some more. Because, you know, there's many aspects to that story. Mm-hmm. He's just talking about the science related to that one spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's many more aspects of it. Do you think we should do some more shows on that? Maybe. Okay. might not be a bad idea. Be curious to hear what our listeners have to tell us about yeah. that. Maybe they'll send us to the loony bin. I don't know. Yeah, most of them already have. I uh, say, so if they have not now, when, what would it yeah, take? Yep. Uh, do you have a story you'd like to share with us, Mr.? Uh, I don't know. Do Potter? you want to
2: go? I, I'd like for you to go
1: first, actually. Okay. You, you would. <clears throat> this is one I'm sure you're aware of. Probably a lot of our listeners, maybe some not. <clears throat> this came out today. U.S. troops apologize for WikiLeaks massacre video.
2: Huh.
4: Interesting.
1: This, uh, was posted on InfoWars. I think it's available other places, too. <clears throat> this is from my InfoWars site. It says, um, uh, Two soldiers who were in the same company as the culprits featured in the infamous WikiLeaks collateral murder video, which I think probably most of our listeners have seen, uh, which showed troops in Apache helicopters slaughtering Reuters, cameramen, and children while laughing about it, Mm -hmm. have apologized for the massacre while stating that the footage only begins to depict the suffering inflicted upon innocent Iraqis as a consequence of the occupation. Hmm. And that's what these soldiers say
2: I wonder if they were put up to that.
1: well let's see. The WikiLeaks video provoked an international firestorm earlier this month after it showed u.S troop, troops slaughtering over a dozen people, including two Reuters employees and the father of two children who were trapped in a rescue vehicle that also came under fire. The two children, Sejad Salah and her, his little sister, Dua Salah, survived but were badly wounded. One of the soldiers who wrote the letter of apology for the massacre, Ethan McCord, <clears throat> was the man who rescued the children from the van after his colleagues had finished bombarding it with gunfire, conscious of the fact that children were inside while chuckling and making excuses for themselves. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, f- former U.S. Army specialist Josh Steber and Ethan McCord have now publicly apologized for the massacre, expressing in an open letter to the Iraqi people their sorrow at the incident while pointing out that it represents just one example of the brutal suffering inflicted on the Iraqis since the March 2003 invasion. They said, uh, We are soldiers who occupied your neighborhood for 14 months. Ethan McCord pulled your daughter and son from the van, and when doing so, (coughs) excuse me, saw the faces of his own children back home. Josh Stieber was in the same company, but was not there that day, although he contributed to your pain and the pain of your community on many other occasions, states the letter. Since says, we have been speaking to whoever will listen, telling them that what was shown in the WikiLeaks video only begins to depict the suffering we have created. From our own experiences and the experiences of other veterans we have talked to, we know that the acts depicted in this video are everyday occurrences of this war. This is the nature of how the U.S.-led wars are carried out in this region. This is from Army. US Army soldiers.
2: It says... Uh, it sounds like something that was put out... Sort of as propaganda to the well, Iraqi neighborhood. I mean, yeah, I can understand that, that they did that to, to try
1: to calm things down, uh-huh. but they're actually saying this is part of a much bigger normal policy. Uh-huh. It says, as we reported when the video was released, uh, this is Infowars talking, Neocaz immediately set about defending the massacre, with some even claiming the footage was part of an elaborate hoax. War crime apologists claimed the murders were justified because the footage showed Iraqis pointing RPGs at the troops. But as the Lunyan Guardian reported at the time, the video shows there is no shooting or even pointing of weapons. The men are standing around apparently unperturbed. Now here's the um, the letter. I'll, I'll read the parts I didn't read already if you're interested. An open letter of reconciliation and responsibility to the Iraqi people. From current and former members of the U.S. military. Peace be with you. To all of those who were injured or lost loved ones during the July 7th, uh, Baghdad shootings depicted in the Collateral Murder WikiLeaks video. We write to you, your family, and your community with awareness that our words and actions can never restore your losses. We are both soldiers who occupied your neighborhood for 14 months. And then He talks about what I just read. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no bringing back all that was lost. What we seek is to learn from our mistakes and do everything we can to tell others of our experiences and how the people of the United States need to recognize we, what we have done and are doing to you and the people of your country. We humbly ask you uh, what we can do to begin to repair the damage we've caused. We have been speaking to whoever will listen, telling them that what was shown in the WikiLeaks video <clears throat> only begins to depict the suffering we've created. From our own experiences and the experiences of other veterans we've talked to, we know that the acts depicted in this video are everyday occurrences of this war. This is the nature of how US-led wars are carried out in the region. We acknowledge our part in the deaths and injuries of your loved ones and tell Americans what we were trained to do and what we carried out in the name of, quote, God and country. The soldier in the video said that your husband uh, shouldn't have brought your children to battle, but we are acknowledging our responsibility for bringing the battle to your neighborhood and to your family. We did unto you what we would not want done to us. More and more Americans are taking responsibility for what was done in our name. Though we have acted with cold hearts far too many times, we have not forgotten our actions towards you. Our heavy hearts still hold hope that we can restore inside our country the acknowledgement of your humanity that we were taught to deny. Our government may ignore you, concerned more with its public image, and has also ignored many veterans who have returned physically injured or mentally troubled by what they saw and did in your country. But the time is long overdue that we say, that the value of our nation's leaders no longer represent us. Our Secretary of Defense may say the U.S. won't lose its reputation over this, but we stand and say that our reputation's importance pales in comparison to our common humanity. We have asked our fellow veterans and service members, as well as civilians both in the United States and abroad, to sign in support of this letter and to offer their names as a testimony to our common humanity, to distance ourselves from the destructive policies of our nation's leaders, and to extend our hands to you. With such pain, friendship might be too much to ask. Please accept our apology, our sorrow, our care, and our dedication to change from the inside out. We are doing what we can to speak out against the wars and military policies responsible for what happened to you and your loved ones. Our hearts now open to hearing how we can take any steps to support you through the pain we have caused. Solemnly and sincerely, Josh Stieber, former Specialist, U.S. Army, and Ethan McCord, former Specialist, U.S. Army.
2: I don't know what to say about all that. Very interesting.
1: I think, uh, <clears throat> well, I'm sure the press is going to bury that for the most part. But uh, I think that's much of what we've talked about over the last yeah, they couple of years. they
2: a lot of what we've said, interestingly.
1: And these are two military members. And you know who they're going to get grief from? The military? Military and probably Christian community. Yeah. How many Christian shows do you think probably read that letter?
2: Well, four minutes ago, zero.
1: <laughs> now it's one? Now it's one. It's okay. Do you think something like that could be a turning point? Could it be like the My Lai so. Massacre was in uh, Vietnam?
2: I hope so. It's interesting to see the... To see the sudden change and shift in uh, what people are talking about on the street and, and everybody I talk to, politics comes up, they say, they have choice words to say about all politicians mm-hmm. and uh, really choice words to say about a lot of things our
1: government has done. Have you talked to any Christians about that about that video, what they thought about it? Yeah,
2: there's been some that have really affirmed that the video is, um, you know, not valid, you know.
1: What do you mean? Like They, they think it's fake?
2: Yeah, they they either think it's fake or they think that they needed it to it's not a big deal. Or, you know uh the, the shooting the children and stuff yeah, like that yeah. laughing about it. Well well they were Muslim children was one, one response I heard. Really? Yeah. And that was so the Christian. Yes, yeah, So it
1: was just Muslim yeah. children.
2: Yeah. So um yeah, a very interesting letter.
1: Hmm. How will the Christian community respond to that?
2: Busy doing other stuff,
1: yeah Never reading, best, best read, life now
2: reading yeah reading books that do not affirm justice and truth things like that,
1: mm-hmm. but make us feel better about ourselves
2: mm, you know I even wonder if they do that, really, yeah, really honestly, it seems like real freedom comes when uh you're doing what is good and what is right and justice mm-hmm. you're doing you're doing the thing all the things that God affirms and not Right. The things that you read about in a but book the book's well, promise. makes you feel good. Woo-hoo, but the, but the book's right. promise
1: you'll feel better.
2: i like a big old bubble here. <coughs> but Like those, full of juice. Those Christian listen heads, to the, me slosh around.
1: Those Christian books we're talking about they 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 make those promises. Yeah, they do make those. Promises. And it's all about you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's what it's all about. Well, I mean, my or maybe you and God, but it doesn't have anything to do with your neighbor. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I, I would say the spiritual privacy of that level is a sin, but that could just be me shooting yeah. from the hip.
1: Okay, that was mine. Sorry, that was long. lot do I, I, know?
2: That I don't know anything. Hey. <clears throat> All, right. All right, let's see. Here, I I, I I, got a, I got a bunch of much shorter, shorter okay. ones, and then some longer ones. Um, crime prediction software is here, and it's a very bad idea. Just uh, two paragraphs from a longer article. There are no naked precogs inside glowing jacuzzis yet, uh, referencing Minority Report. Uh, but the Florida State Department of Juvenile Justice will use analysis software to predict crime by young delinquents using potential human potential offenders under specific prevention and education programs.
1: In other words, goodbye human rights. Is it possible they could throw them in jail when like, they're toddlers to sort of save him and apprehend them later when they commit crimes?
2: Well, that's definitely where this is going. Okay. Uh, I, I, did, I did a little bit of background research on this, too, and mm-hmm. I'll, I'll fill you in on some interesting things. Uh, they will use this software on juvenile delinquent using a series of variables to determine the potential for these people to commit another crime. Depending on this probability, they will put them under specific re-education programs. Deepak Advani, Vice President of Predictive, Predictive Analytics in, at IBM, says the system gives reliable projections so governments can take action in real time to prevent criminal activities. So, uh, action in real time... If they're this singles them out, I mean that's like it's goofball words mm-hmm. from uh, Deepak and Vani there. But the, one of the th- interesting things is how big IBM thinks this is going to be. You know how big they think it is? Mm-mm. They've invested twelve billion dollars in it.
1: Billion with a B. B. I don't know. They had that kind of money.
2: I didn't know they did either. But that's apparently uh, from some of the other articles that I've read about it. They've put twelve large in there. To predict twelve real large
1: to predict. The who's gonna be a criminal ahead of time. Yeah. And what would you do to people if you predict they're a high propensity?
2: Well you'd come flying through their window like in a SWAT team style raid while they were having Sunday tea and say, You've been summarily convicted of killing your stepmother and take you to jail and pre crime. Yeah, pre crime. You know.
1: Yeah. I could just see that they would actually uh We saw
2: you jaywalking at three PM this afternoon. It's not even light out. That Doesn't you could matter.
1: have a lot more monitoring, or I don't know what all they could do about putting you in specially, you know, high security areas, but they could certainly monitor you a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's but, a pretty bad. You want another story? I'm sorry about my cough. I can't. No, it's get okay. Rid of, it's okay. It's these GMO foods. Yeah. Doing this to me.
2: Not enough. Not enough. Uh,
1: Feel like Gollum. Um, <clears throat> this is one from the New York Times. Oh, great. Okay. Um, the record. Hallucinogens have doctors tuning in again. Uh, <clears throat> I've trimmed this down one too from what okay. it was. It says uh, scientists are taking a new look at hallucinogens, which became taboo amongst regulators after enthusiasts like Timothy Leary promoted them in the 1960s with the slogan, turn on, tune in, and drop out. <clears throat> now using rigorous protocols and safeguards, I assume those same kind they use for the Foods and our vaccines and stuff, the same rigorous safeguards. <laughs> <Yeah. coughs> Scientists have won permission to study once again the drug's potential for treating, <coughs> excuse me, mental problems about cough and illuminating the nature of consciousness. Uh, researchers from around the world are gathering this week in San Jose, California for the largest conference on psychedelic science held in the United States in four decades. Whoa. They plan to discuss studies of psilocybin and that's the Magic Mushroom stuff, right? Yep. And, and other psychedelics for treating depression and cancer, uh, obsessive-compulsive disorder, um, hang on, uh, end-of-life anxiety, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, and addiction to drugs or alcohol. The results so far are encouraging but also preliminary, and researchers cautioning against reading too much into these small-scale studies they do not want to repeat the mistake of the 60s when some scientists turned evangelist exaggerated their understanding of the drugs risk and benefits hmm. because reactions to hallucinogens can vary so much depending on the setting experimenters and review boards have developed guidelines to set up a comfortable environment with expert monitors in the room to deal with adverse reactions what about if you have like a bad trip or you don't come back i mean does that stuff happen yeah
2: well i mean one of the one of the things that One of the things that was mentioned in uh, Dr. Strassman's book was that, you know, this guy got into a trip and got uh, sexually assaulted by alien alligators.
1: Right. That's right. That's right. Well, I'm talking about ones where people don't come back where they die. You know, that stuff happens. It says they've established standard protocols so that the drug's effects can be gauged more accurately. And they've also directly observed the drug's effects by scanning the brains of people under the influence of hallucinogens. Scientists are especially intrigued by the similarities between hallucinogenic experiences and the life-changing revelations reported throughout history by religious mystics and those who meditate. These similarities have been identified in neural imaging studies conducted by Swiss researchers and in experiments by Roland Griffiths, professor of behavioral biology at Johns Hopkins. In one of Dr. Griffiths' first studies involving 36 people with no serious physical or emotional problems, he and colleagues found that psilocybin, a magic mushroom chemical, <clears throat> could induce what the experimental subjects described as a profound spiritual experience, with lasting positive effects for most of them. <clears throat> none had had any previous experience with hallucinogens, and none were even sure what drug was being administered. <coughs> now get catch this: to make the experiment double-blind, neither the subjects nor the two experts monitoring them knew whether the subjects were receiving a placebo. Psilocybin or another drug like Ritalin, uh, nicotine, caffeine, or an amphetamine. Cheese whiz. Are that, yeah. Although veterans of the 60s psychedelic culture may have a hard time believing it, Dr. Griffiths said that even the monitors themselves sometimes could not tell from the reactions whether the person had taken psilocybin or Ritalin.
2: Whoa. And the same
1: response in the brain. Wow. <clears throat> the monitors sometimes had to console people through periods of anxiety, Dr. Griffiths said, but these were generally short-lived, and none of the people reported any serious negative effects. In a survey conducted two months later, the people who received psilocybin reported significantly more improvements in their general feelings and behavior than did the members of the control group. The findings repeated in another follow-up survey taken 14 months after the experiment. Uh, I know this is a little long one, but That's I'll give all okay. these. I thought these were important. At that point, most of the psilocybin subjects once again expressed more satisfaction with their lives and rated the experience as one of the five most meaningful events in their lives. Whoa, really? So, yes. Since that study, it says how sad lives are. Uh, since that study, which was published in 2008, Dr. Griffiths and his colleagues have gone on to give psilocybin to people dealing with cancer and depression like uh, this Dr. Martin they mentioned. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, his, his experience was fairly typical. Uh, Dr. Griffith said, an improved outlook on life after an experience in which the boundaries between self and others disappear. Um, it says in interviews, this Dr. Martin and one of their subjects, and other subjects described their egos and bodies vanishing as they felt part of some larger state of consciousness, in which their personal worries and insecurities vanished. Uh, they found themselves uh, reviewing past relationships with lovers and relatives with a new sense of empathy. And hmm. so uh it says the subject's reports mirrored so closely the accounts of religious mystical experiences, Dr. Griffiths said, that it seems likely the human brain is wired to undergo these unitive experiences because of some evolutionary advantage.
2: Or maybe we're just all spiritual beings.
1: Uh Or they're maybe going somewhere they shouldn't be going. Oh. Okay, mm-hmm. so although federal yeah. regulators have resumed granting approval for controlled experiments with psychedelics, there's been little public money granted for the research, which is being conducted at Hopkins, the University of Arizona, which is a place we've read about before, with mm-hmm. entity studies, Harvard, New York University, the University of California, Los Angeles, and other places. Uh, the work is supported by non-profit groups like the Hefter Research Institute, that's H-E-F-F-T-E-R, and MAPS, M-A-P-S dot org, the multi Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. Uh, There's this coming together of science and spirituality, said Rick Doblin, the executive director of MAPS. We're hoping that the mainstream and the psychedelic community can meet in the middle and avoid another culture war. Thanks to changes over the last 40 years in the social acceptance of the hospice uh, and yoga uh, and meditation, our culture is much more receptive now, and we're showing that these drugs can provide benefits that current treatments can't. Researchers are per, per, uh, reporting preliminary success using psilocybin to ease anxiety of patients with terminal illnesses. Hmm. Uh, so, it says uh, individuals transcend their primary identification with their bodies and experience ego-free states before the time of their actual physical demise and return with a new perspective and profound acceptance of the life-constant change. I know that was a long story, but interesting. what I see coming... Is that we're becoming so dependent on chemicals mm-hmm. producing our, our our outlook in life, the lines of spirituality have been crossed. Everything is pre-engineered boutique uh, emotional experiences, psychological, intellectual experiences, and I even mean religious experiences. Someone custom makes what they want you to experience. Mm-hmm. To me, that's the ultimate tyranny. Tyranny over the mind. minds.
2: Yep. You don't even know that you have the. A- Power to say no.
1: It's stories like this that really make me think we're getting close to the last days. Yeah. Because someone can completely take over your mind, your view of things, um, and these things may be portals. According you know, to my other research and things I've talked mm-hmm. about in a conference, is that these things can be portals, and it's called sorcery. Indeed. And we have you know, a large portion of our population, which will probably soon be the majority who deal with a chemical reality and not a real reality. So. Yeah,
2: it's always very troubling.
1: So Sorry about that. It's okay. Yeah. What'd what you do you think about that thing about psilocybin the Ritalin. and Ritalin? That was
2: wild. Yeah, I, you with know what? all actually, the people on Ritalin, what do you think the future holds? It's funny you mention that because I've actually done some research and there seems to be some real, uh, some real close relationships between uh psychoactive hallucinogen mm-hmm. hallucinogenics and a maraud of drugs that they give people for all sorts of stuff they mm-hmm. they're you know, all neurotransmitter receptors yeah, not just riddling uh and yeah i'll just leave it there cuz there's a whole lot more that i could add to that but mm-hmm. it's me too, too too weird for the air
1: mhm okay
2: <laughs> even too weird for future
1: <laughs> too quake? weird for future quake i have to tell you something yeah. okay Play why on.
2: why is fema trying to cover up nle10 Public intelligence. This is via public intelligence. Public intelligence has received a request from FEMA to remove, uh, for official use only, document regarding the National Level Exercise 2010, otherwise known as NLE10, which was scheduled for this coming May. The exercise was based to be was to be based on National Planning Scenario One, which simulates a nuclear detonation in, on, in a U.S. city. However, recent political pressure has led to the exercise being scaled back, quote unquote. According to the Washington Post, Christian Science Monitor, and a variety of other publications, at the behest of Senator Harry Reid, the exercise's Nevada events have reportedly been canceled, and the FEMA website now shows no mention of nl 10 hmm. On top of this, the Obama administration has recently been emphasizing the threat of a domestic nuclear attack. President Obama's remarks at the Nuclear Security Summit on April 13, 2010, emphasized that the threat of terrorists using nuclear weapons inside of major metropolitan cities is one of the greatest threats that the world faces. Two decades after the end of the Civil War, we face a cruel irony of history. The risk of a nuclear confrontation between nations has gone down, but the risk of nuclear attack has gone up. NLE-10 concerned itself with exactly this scenario, the detonation of a nuclear device inside a U.S. city. Las Vegas was to be the epicenter of this hypothetical attack, and, if the exercise utilized the same circumstances as National Planning Scenario 1, it would have involved hundreds of thousands of casualties, more than 300,000 refugees, and ultimately more than 1 million displaced persons. The unpopularity of such a scenario, regardless of its security benefits, is obvious. What is strange is the attempt that is now being made of FEMA to eliminate references to the exercise and remove from circulation a document that has played an important role in drawing attention to the exercise. There's actually a very interesting mm-hmm. backstory to that. As the state of NLE10 is unclear at the moment, it is difficult to say whether the request is truly motivated motivated by security or not.
1: Hmm. You know what I'm left with the impression because you know you're hearing a lot of these nuke stories now. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, the press is really it sounds like they're that.
2: getting getting people prepped for something. <clears throat>
1: It's like they tried, uh, what was the last one? It was the, uh, bird flu, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was the last thing to mm-hmm. basically run to us and the government, give up your freedoms, run, we'll take care of you, cause mm-hmm. disaster's around the corner. Well, that one is sort of petered out, you know. So now they gotta find something new. So now they dust off the atomic one. Yeah. Who knows what they might You're pull.
2: run, Sumerian devil gods are coming back.
1: Well. That one, I'm probably pretty sure is I mean, that's going to happen. It's <laughs> yeah. just a matter of when.
2: Yeah, that one actually. I
1: think they're already talking to them from, yeah. from data I have. Yeah, that suggests they're already in communication. Yeah. So
2: that's strange days we live in, isn't it? Yeah.
1: So do you, do you think they're going to try to fire off some nukes here?
2: Well, it'll be interesting to see because they seem to be doing the kind of limited hangout thing, getting people prepped for it, and. Mm-hmm. You know, you better watch
1: out. It's important. I mean, hey. You can tell, like, if you watch the news or look online, all of a sudden the main news wires are just this proliferation of stories of something like this out of the blue. mean, they just go really heavy when they're trying to sell mm-hmm. it. The government sends those press releases out. They're the ones that is pushing, mm-hmm. uh, just yeah, like they did the bird flu.
2: That's really what's the troubling part is that and the fact that, you know, like in the bird flu's case, it was admitted by the government and the WHO that they manufactured that whole thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean... You know, somebody else who we'd like to push on our listeners is Merv, who can tell you how to contact us at FutureQuake.
5: FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at Future at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests, or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast.
1: Okay, we've got about 30 seconds. Any comments to summarize the news for today?
2: I just, man, I just love the Lord and great Uh, knowing God. just...
1: The things of these worlds, the the word, watchword is deception.
2: I know. Everything else is like fake Mm -hmm. compared to to doing God's stuff.
1: You know, and everyone else in the world, when they open their Bible, I mean, when they look at the world, they never know what to rely on. But we can open our Bible, Mm -hmm. and that's one thing between our hands. We know it's for sure and real.
2: It's hard, but it's like so fulfilling, you know. That's right. So fulfilling.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, come back tomorrow. We've got some more news stories to cover tomorrow. But until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day.
0: Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake.
4: Welcome
1: to the Future Quake Show.
2: I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom. Just uh, really thinking, I've really come to grips this week about how important what we do is bionic. Well I'm glad to hear that. It is, man. Like we I hope our listeners
1: come to that conclusion
2: too. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, you know, profit is without without honor in his own country, so if well, people Jesus don't get said, it, it's
1: cool. And ladies and gentlemen, I just want to watch you begin to the Future Quake show, particularly if it's your first time. We also welcome all of our returning futurians. Uh, <clears throat> we're back to our regular traditional Friday format. Mm-hmm. Usually Monday through Thursday we have our interview with mm-hmm. our guest. <clears throat> we ended one day early this week uh, with our guest Richard Gage, and so mm-hmm. we had a an early Thursday edition of tomorrow 's Tremors. Today is Friday. Mm-hmm. That may help you a little bit on this what What does Friday usually mean on future Quake?
2: Revelation eighteen is going to be discussed in conjunction with the ramifications of current events that usually don't make the mainstream news.
1: I think I'm just going to change the name to Revelation 18 News. That makes it easy on you. And, and, and what is it about Revelation 18 that's relevant to what we talk about here? Tomorrow's Tremors. Can you explain what Revelation 18 says? It says, "Woe to,
2: Woe to them, the kings of the earth and the great leaders of the earth. Right, done bad stuff, and I'm going to punish them.
1: That's your own uh, translation there? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Basically, it talks about the the kings of the earth have conducted fornication with the great city Babylon, Mm -hmm. economics, and it says the great merchants of the earth as well, and have used uh, sorcery or pharmakia, the use of drugs, to modify people's perception Mm -hmm. and contact spirits, by which they deceive the nations of the earth. And that really describes that system. Describes many of the, sh- the stories that we do on future quakes, one or two, including or, yesterday's, or pretty much all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're going to talk about how they deceive the nations of the earth and mm-hmm. how the Bible's true and everybody else isn't. Uh, would you like to start with a story? Why don't you start? Are you sure? Yeah. You know, I got most of my long stories out of the way. Yesterday, I'm sorry about this bad cough. It's okay. It's uh, okay. It's <coughs> like I don't know. What you it want is. me to read it? A Ebola. <laughs> um. But this is one last one that's a little long, but okay. I don't know if you how much news you heard today. All right, uh, I got this my in basket from uh, someone who just happened to send stuff out. Uh, this is a uh, says uh, this is from the Red Dirt Report. It's mm. a newswire in 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 Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. It says uh, the Murrah bombing survivor. You now it's Oklahoma City building mm-hmm. bombing. Says feds involved in blast that killed 168 in 1995. Whoa. So this is an My actual Andrew witness Griffin. that is affirming Yes, a witness, okay. Uh, while Oklahoma and the rest of the world respectfully remember the 168 people who died in the bombing of the Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building here in Oklahoma City, one survivor of the April 19th, 95 blast, Jane Graham, wants her questions about what really happened that day answered once and for all. Graham, a native of Chicago who was working for the HUD office, On the ninth floor of the Murrah building that morning, told the Red Dirt Report that there were a lot of strange things going on in the weeks leading up to the bombing, things that she shared numerous times with federal agents, things she felt were ignored. This included the presence of maintenance workers she did not recognize, military people in the parking garage, and more unusual activity. Okay, and and she had shared this with the federal agents before about going on beforehand. Hmm. <clears throat> one of the key figures, the bomber himself, Timothy McVeigh, was spotted in the federal building on a number of occasions. Whoa! Uh, it was a couple of weeks before the bombing. I had seen McVeigh in the building prior to the bombing, around the first week of April. Well, and said. this is
2: a federal building, so there's you know <clears throat> like right detectors. You can't just go in and hang out. Right. You know?
1: McVeigh, Graham said, <clears throat> rode up in an elevator with her. While she was heading to her office one morning. He was in military fatigues, Graham told Red Dirt Report. I looked at him and he said he simply looked straight ahead. He got off on the sixth floor. I turned to someone else in the elevator and said, well, that's certainly not very friendly. Another time, Graham said he was uh, he was in the elevator again. And this is guy he was. And he got off on the ninth floor where the Secret Service and BATF offices were located. Hmm. Another unusual event Graham recalled was on Friday, April 14th, 95. She, she said she parked in the Murrow parking garage as she noticed three men standing together on the south side of the parking area. One of the men was holding what looked like floor plans. She said at first she, was, she thought about the recent phone problems that have been plaguing the building, problems with gas fumes in the area. I watched them carefully, Graham said. They were standing behind a light green station wagon like an old Country Squire wagon. It was filthy, and I couldn't see the plane on it. As she watched the three men, one of them was wearing dark clothing and two wearing short sleeve and jeans. One of the men held a sack and a roll of what appeared to be telephone wire. They were watching me, and I was watching them, she said, uh, noting that the tall man, a good-looking man as Graham described him, walked to the north side of the lot. She said she thought this man was Andreas Strassmeier, uh, known as Andy the German a German white supremacist linked to the bombing in the racist Elohim City compound out in Adair County.
2: Now, wasn't the guy who ran Elohim City a FBI? That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember the guy's name.
1: Uh, Graham said the other two men looked like military. That had that military bearing, she said. Fast forward to the day before the bombing. Graham said she was running late to work and she came downstairs. She ran into two men in General Services Administration uniforms. One of whom was older and was asking the other man, how does this work? She did not recognize these men and thought their presence curious. She also said she was approached by a man who identified himself as a CIA agent who wanted to know about the men. She also said Trish Nix, one of the 168 victims, had allegedly asked Graham if she had seen the bomb squad outside, noting that they were in the parking lot of the nearby Catholic Church. I haven't seen them, Graham said, when she responded. Graham said Nick's. then said, I think they're in the building. Graham said she went to a Windows 95 computer training meeting, and that once she got settled in is when all hell broke loose. Mm -hmm. Everybody beneath your desk, it's an earthquake, Graham said as the class was told. I thought, this is not an earthquake, she recalls thinking. The next thing I knew, was a huge explosion. I felt the floor rise up underneath me. I looked up in the air and could see the roof suspended in the sky. And then there was black dust and it smelled like sulfur. A lady next uh, to me and another man said that we've got to get out of here. Disoriented, she said the smoke was black and thick. She managed to make her way out of the building, all the while thinking the children in the daycare center located in the building. I told someone, the children in the daycare, we've got to get them out. But Graham was told to keep moving on out of the building and go to Robinson Street. Graham said the rest of the day she was in a daze. She was trying to get help and later get cleaned up because she felt as if she had fiberglass all over her body. Uh, Graham said a post office employee who worked at the post office across the streets from the Murrah building told her that the bomb detail with dogs had been patrolling the area near the building. However, this worker, Graham said, was warned not to talk about what she said or she would lose her post office job. One thing the postal worker told hmm. Graham is that McVeigh and John Doe had been in the post office. Graham said that as a supervisor and one with information, she wanted to help the investigators have as much information as possible. But as she shared her story about the fatigue-wearing McVeigh figure, the mysterious man inside the Merrill building in the parking garage, she was largely ignored as if it did not follow the official story following McVeigh and the Ryder truck bomb. I was stonewalled, Graham said. No one wanted me to draw a picture, take a look at a picture, or describe him. Added a clearly frustrated Graham. Never to this day did I hear from anyone. Graham said her co-workers who survived largely don't want to believe the government was involved in the bombing. Graham, meanwhile, has her strong suspicions about the government and their complicity. She said her father was the secretary-treasurer of the AFLCO labor organization Chicago. When he was asked if he wanted to lead the group, he said he would have more influence controlling the funds. It's mm. all about power and control, Graham said, adding, this has nothing to do with a foreign government. I'm utterly convinced ATF and the FBI are involved in the bombing of that building. Wow. She said they will not admit uh, complicity mainly because they don't want to open themselves up to a liability suit. Now, I think I heard this lady interviewed today yeah, on the radio. <clears throat> uh, what she said condition? more things. I think I think it was on InfoWars. Oh. <clears throat> and if I, if I remember, if it's her, I'm, I'm almost certain it's her. She was talking about how she actually saw people coming in before with something that looked like, um, clay. Hmm. Like moldable clay bricks with wire sticking out of them. Wow. And they were walking around in the building with them like right before the event.
2: Probably wasn't pizza dough. No. That's uh, interesting.
1: That's, uh, it's very interesting. I've thought many times about doing a show on that incident. Yeah. On that in Waco. Those are two other things that were quickly swept under the rug. Yeah. And and Waco- I remember the watching
2: the, the Waco thing as a high schooler, actually. Now, was
1: that the initial assault or when they well, burned we're them both all up? Actually, uh, yeah,
2: uh, um, we had we had like a rolling period thing where a couple of times a week you would change what class you went to on the time of the day. Yeah, and both times as it happens, I was in in German class with the TV on, watching him, watching the whole thing. And thinking, boy, it was sure odd that this thing is going up in flames like this. Yeah. How did this, what's going on here? Yeah. How come they don't spray it down?
1: Yeah. You know, a lot of people don't talk about the fact that people were running out and they were shooting them in the back. The the federal troops were shooting Mm.
2: them. Yeah, I've I've heard that uh, several times. Right. I think even Janet Reno kind of tacitly admitted that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm.
2: It's troubling. Oh, well.
1: What do you story? expect from
2: people? Uh, the game that goes on and on. A Swiss bank, a president, and the permanent government. This is via Smirking Chimp.
1: Smirking. That's a new one for us. Yeah, I, I, don't I thought it was
2: worth reading the story just based on the name. Is that
1: one of the major new wire, news wires Yeah, now? it's one Smirking of the better ones. Smirking Chimp?
2: Yeah, it ought to okay. be. Last August, the president, presidential <clears throat> press corps followed Barack Obama and his family to Martha's Vineyard for their brief vacation. The coverage focused on summery fare, uh, a trip to the ice cream parlor, books the president had brought along, etc. Nearly everyone mentioned his few rounds of golf, including his swing and the enthusiasm of onlookers. What caught my eye, though, was the makeup of his foursome. The president was joined by an old friend from Chicago, a young aide, and Robert Wolfe, chairman and CEO, UBS Group Americas. In a decidedly incurious piece, a New York Times reporter made light of Wolf's presence. The president has told friends that to truly relax, he prefers golfing with young aides. But he departed from that pattern Monday when he invited a top campaign contributor, Robert Wolf, president of UBS Investment Bank, to join him for 18 holes. Call it donor assistance. Wolf, however, is hardly, as the Times suggested, just another donor. For one thing, he is a leading figure in an industry that almost brought down the entire fan, worldwide fin, ha, financial system and then was the recipient of astonishing government largesse. Largest. UBS, along with other banks, benefited directly from the backdoor bailout of the insurance giant AGS, but UBS stands alone in one rather formidable respect. It was the defendant in the largest offshore tax evasion case in U.S. history. Accused of helping wealthy Americans hide their income in secret offshore accounts. Uh, to settle a massive investigation, UBS forked over $780 million to the U.S. Treasury. $780 million. This settlement came shortly before Wolf rounded up Obama's golf, rounded out Obama's golf, golfing party. Uh, given this rather problematic situation, why then would the president choose UBS Wolf of all people for this relationship? Uh, Wolf declined comment for an interview about his relationship with the president, so it is not possible to pose that question to him. This hardly matters, though, for the story goes far beyond Wolf and UBS. It involves Republicans as well as Democrats, the Bush administration as well as the Obamas. More importantly, behind the trivialized golf outing on Martha's Vine- Vineyards lie the interests that increasingly set the course for every administration and that now gain the system so well that the rest of us, wherever we live in the world, are are kept fighting for the scraps. When most people criticize those aspects of government that seem most impervious to the democratic process, they cite the permanency and perceived self interest uh, of the mandarins. I thought that was cool that they called them mandarins. Yeah. Of the Washington bureaucracy. But when it comes to. You know, William Gregg would appreciate
1: mandarins as that use. That's, you <coughs> know, it's <laughs> that's funny. I I mean, that's exactly who I thought of yeah. when I read that.
2: But when it comes to real power and ability to come out ahead, no matter what which party is in power, it's hard to stop certain financial institutions.
1: Hmm. There you go. And of course, you've had Goldman Sachs has been the big thing in the news today. Yeah,
2: I'm actually. It's interesting you mentioned that because I've been thinking about that uh, at work today, and hmm. I'm pretty convinced that that's probably like a limited hangout situation, where uh, what's that mean? The limited hangout. Yeah, where uh, much worse things have gone on. Right. But to, they're, they're, to sort they're of paper, it, the trivial yeah, thing. Yeah, but, but to sort of paper it over. Yeah. We're going to toss somebody to the wolves, and probably yeah. Goldman Sachs has been.
1: They've and then say they paid their dues. We mm-hmm. got them. Yeah. I mean.
2: Unless you open up the AIG thing, yeah. which will never happen, you're not going to you're not going to know what goes on. Mm-hmm. So it's it's difficult to say that this is. Um, it's just difficult to say, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there'll be some, you know, mid-level, high-level managers at Lehman mm-hmm. or Lehman Brothers, Goldman Sachs, who'll get sort of eviscerated. And, and you that's know, about it.
1: Uh, the Bible, Revelation mm-hmm. 18, mm-hmm. basically says that these banker, commerce people run the world.
2: Sure. Well, you know, uh, Henry Paulson, of course, worked for Goldman Sachs, and uh, he's been talked to several times about how, uh, you know, he had all these Goldman Sachs people on his team doing these things uh, to, quote-unquote, try and help the economy. At the same time, he was threatening them with martial law. Uh, at the same time, he was going to the Federal Ethics Committee, uh, ethics uh, uh, the Fed Ethics Department and Treasury Ethics Department, and got a waiver uh, to be able to work with all his cronies because they, they didn't think it was important.
1: Well, well, <clears throat> want to cleanse the palate a little bit? Just give me a happy story. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Well, this is a story to follow, yeah. and they're not sure what to make of it.
2: I mean, I, you know, I, that that's sort of old news, but it just, it's just interesting to well, it's see. It's
1: like we're so accustomed to the bankers yeah. calling the to shots see. And not held accountable. It's just it.
2: interesting to see UBS fork over $780 million for Hewitt, the largest tax evasion thing in history, and then a week later, the president of UBS is, bank, is, is golfing with the yeah. president. You know? Yeah. It's like, gosh.
1: So they don't even farm. they don't even care. It's don't like, no care. Oh, and it's it's dropping the bucket. Yep. The government can always give them more money when they need it. Yep. You know, they write checks. <coughs> uh this is one I'm sort of strange from WorldNet Daily. Uh Fox pulls Hannity from Tea Party Rally. Host planned to broadcast show live from Cincinnati. Uh angry Fox News executives ordered Sean Hannity to abandon plans, announced as latest this afternoon, and that was uh well, I just a the of date here. Uh, this afternoon on his nationally syndicated radio program to broadcast his TV show from a Cincinnati Tea Party rally he was headlining, a Los Angeles Times media blog reported. Hmm. Hannity, on a book tour for his number one bestseller, Conservative Victory, defeating Obama's radical agenda, was scheduled to be the featured speaker at a four-hour rally at the University of Cincinnati with as many as 13,000 in attendance. Proceeds from the event were to benefit a local Tea Party organization. But senior Fox News executives said they were not aware Hannity was being billed as the centerpiece of the event or that Tea Party organizers were charging for admission to Hannity's show as part of the rally. They first learned of it this morning from John Finley, Hannity's executive producer, who was in Cincinnati to produce Hannity's show, reported the Times Media Blog Show Tracker. Attendees were being charged a minimum of $5 with seats near Hannity's set going for $20. The execs reportedly called Hannity to New York to do his show in his regular studio. The network plans to do an extensive post-mortem about the incident with Finley and Hannity's staff. Hmm. Fox News never agreed to allow Cincinnati Tea Party organizers to use Sean Hannity's television program to profit from broadcasting a show from the event, said Bill Shine, the network executive vice president of programming.
2: Well, I don't, I don't see what the problem the is because Sean on. Hannity was certainly using the Tea Party to...
1: You gain ratings. Exactly the right. the deal? Exactly right. He was yeah. piggybacking on them. <clears throat> when senior executives in New York were made aware of this, we changed our plans for tonight's show. Last night, News Corp boss, Rupert Murdoch, said before Washington, D.C. crowd that Fox News would not be supporting the movement. I don't think so we should what? be supporting the Tea Party or any other party, he said. Earlier this week, the network published an article to its website that was semi-critical of the Tea Party reached New York and declined to comment other than to say he had planned to do a show tonight in studio. Killer. Yeah. When I, and I really meant that. I'm not sure what to, to make of all that. Not that I care a whole lot for, for him and the other people, but um, the line has blurred with the media. It used to be in the, in the old days, that the media people were set apart, the press is what they were called, mm-hmm. from the newsmakers, from government, mm-hmm. from other kind of people, that they sequestered themselves. They didn't hang out with them. They might go sneak in a, in a bar to try mm-hmm. to get some scuttlebutt. But, I mean, basically they kept an arm's length distance. Mm-hmm. The worst thing they typically did was that they were quiet about things the public should know about, like FDR was in a wheelchair, You know, had health issues or or the philandering of JFK. Mm -hmm. But other than that, they mostly tried to keep an institution untainted. Now anything goes where you can't tell who the news makers are and the news reporters are. They, They intermarry. They show up on each other's stuff. And something like this is indicative of the fact that when you go to try to get news from these things, you don't know what's really you don't know it's an objective reporting of what news is, even if you want to naively hope that it was sometimes. Mm-hmm. Because you're going there something that's making money for both parties, mm-hmm. the news makers, the news reporters. Mm-hmm. You can't reliably get any objective reporting. Sure. And that's what gets them into these awkward situations like this. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, Glenn Beck does the same stuff. Uh, um, yeah. I mean, Bill O'Reilly and the people uh, on the left. and
2: You know, Glenn Beck, of course. There's mass
1: media for you.
2: Talks talks a lot, you know. It often talks about being a libertarian-leaning person, but then will go ahead and support the uh, the VAT tax. Will support one yeah. or the other.
1: He know. wanted the banker bailouts, mm-hmm. which is very socialist to me. And he always he
2: always does it right at key points. You're right. You know, and like, then he'll deny it later. Libertarian. It later. I'm libertarian. Libertarian. Oh my gosh, big government. Okay, libertarian, libertarian, yeah, libertarian.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Right. And but and he believes in freedom, except if you believe that the government may have been involved nine one one and then you're a terrorist because you have that belief. I'd love to see him I'd love
2: to see him uh speak with uh, uh Mr Gage. That'd be an interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. Or even like just Mr. Grigg. In a neutral event. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to see the two together. Mm-hmm. Okay, you got another story? Sure. I got so many stories I don't know what to do with them all. Well, we got about to almost five-minute warning here. Okay, well, let me give you a, uh, just a really interesting one to sort of piggyback on yours. Poll. Four out of five Americans don't trust Washington. One-third mm-hmm. view government as major threat. Uh, this is via the AFP. Right. Uh, America Re- Free Press. Yep. Nearly one out of three Americans view the U.S. government as a, quote-unquote, major threat to their freedoms, and four out of five say they don't trust Washington to solve their problems, according to a new poll out Monday. Just 19% say that they are basically the content with the federal government, against 56% who say they are frustrated, and 21% who describe themselves as angry, the Pew Research Center survey found. Interesting, because the mm. Pew Center is really user, usually very pro-big government, you know. Yeah, I, I, can't mean, help I didn't but, know that. Yeah, I can't help but think that they're mm. those numbers may be skewed, but what do mm. I know? Okay. Okay, well, anyway, that was just sort of piggybacked on your story, I thought. Okay. There was some, Big coherence there. Um, this is also an info war story, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and uh, it's all about this gentleman named—I I unfortunately deleted the title. Um, Slap my hand, mm-hmm. but uh, it's all about this guy named Al Baghdadi, who didn't doesn't actually exist, but was killed today. But didn't exist, and the 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 U.S. government and military says that he didn't exist. He was actually a fictional character, as they say. Uh, but we it. killed him. But we killed him. It was a major blow, said Joe Biden. That's actually.
1: What uh, about like Huckleberry Hound? Did we take him out in a terrorist raid too? Or? Yeah, Yogi Berra. Yeah. You know, we found them all, the yeah. Hanna-Barbera crew, and got them. Yeah, Snagglepuss. Yeah. Okay. Uh. <laughs> as long as they're terrorists and we killed them. It yeah. doesn't matter if they're real or fictional. Yep.
2: Yeah. U.S. and Iraqi officials have today announced that two Al-Qaeda in Iraq. "Quote unquote, leaders have been killed in an airstrike carried out by American troops. A major flaw in the story that seems to have been overlooked is that both of the men have already been reported captured and killed on several occasions. With the U.S. officials also having previously declared one of them a "quote unquote" fictional character that was invented by the other.
1: <laughs> the but they death- thought it useful to to mention were killed again. Yeah,
2: we got them. Serve their purposes. Washington Post reports the deaths of Abu. Ayub al-Masri, the leader of al-Qaeda in Iraq and Abu Omar al-Baghdadi, the head of an umbrella group that includes al-Qaeda in Iraq, should dis- disrupt insurgent attacks inside the country, officials said. Their slangs could also provide Prime Minister Nouri al-Maliki uh, with a decisive political boost at a critical time. The death of these terrorists is potentially the most significant blow to al-Qaeda in Iraq since the beginning of the insurgency, General Ray O'Dinero, the top commander of U.S. troops in Iraq, said in a statement, There is still work to do, but this is a significant step forward in ridding Iraq of terrorists. The two insurgent leaders were said to have been killed on Saturday in a night raid involving Iraqi and American forces. Reuters reports, United States military officials confirmed that Iraq security forces had killed the two men. The death of these two terrorists is a potentially devastating blow to al-Qaeda in Iraq, the American command said in a statement. He, the Iraqi prime minister, uh, said the house was destroyed and the two bodies were found in a hole in the ground that Uh, they had apparently been hiding in. Bizarrely, the Reuters piece quotes the Iraqi prime minister pinpointing the location of the raid as a house in Tharthar, a rural area 50 miles west of Baghdad, that is regarded as a hotbed of al-Qaeda activity. However, the Washington Post reports, quotes U.S. officials saying the raid occurred a few miles southwest of Tikrit. If you look at a map of Iraq, those two descriptions do not entirely add up unless you consider a few miles to be over 100. Hmm. Certainly a more specific location could have been given. However, this is perhaps the least of the problems surrounding this story. Uh, Anyone who reads the news should be feeling a profound sense of deja vu because almost a year ago to the day, al-Baghdadi was reported captured by Iraqi security forces. His arrest was confirmed by Prime Minister Minister Nuri al-Maliki, the same man now purporting that Baghdadi had been killed in a raid. Al-Baghdadi was the replacement uh, boogeyman.
1: Is it Baghdadi like Baghdad or Big Daddy?
2: Al-Baghdadi, like okay. Baghdad, the city.
1: Got 25 seconds.
2: Yep. Uh, announcement, he was captured a year ago, jarred multiple previous arrests. Turned out he didn't exist. Bang, zoom, end of story.
1: So, bottom line on this, they just make stuff up. Yeah. That make was, us feel good. Yeah,
2: and, and I mean, unfortunately, we couldn't get into the whole story, but that was the short version.
1: You know, this what reminds me, Western intelligence has done this for a long time. They invented a man. Uh, they They got this guy who just died a homeless person mm-hmm. and they dressed him up in a major outfit during World War II mm-hmm. and and put plans on him of a fake like D-Day invasion. Mm-hmm. And they um, stuck it in his pocket and they reported that there was a plane crash with major so-and-so on it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and right in that area the submarine dropped off this corpse and had him float in toward the shore of Spain with these plans on it. And so then so the they knew there were a lot of agents for Germany and they picked up this guy and they were trying to figure out if these plans were legit or not. And mm-hmm. finally, Hitler said, "Yeah, they're legit." So then they planned for the wrong beachhead location. Wow! It was either there, or Sicily. I can't remember the. So they do this stuff all the time. They make people up. Yeah. Like like we wouldn't think they'd make terrorists up when they. Well, didn't they,
2: have... someday we will have to get into uh, Operation Gladio.
1: We, we gotta go though. Okay. Uh, Merv, would you tell our listeners how to contact us at Future Quake?
5: Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at Future at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests, or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we're in overtime.
1: Out. Come back for a great guest next week. Until then, we hope your future's always bright. Have a good day.
0: Bye bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake.